Uh, hi, this is Dean Stefan. I was uh, the uh, head writer, story editor on um, the Mike Young, uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, 2002. And I did. Uh, I was happy to be interviewed by Chris on, I believe it was episode eight of Masters of the Universe Chronicles. And I just wanted to use this opportunity to um, mention a few things that the fans may not, not know about Chris. Um, as you're well aware, he did the voice for Stratos on the 2002 um, version. But uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that um, he was the first guy who revealed Ram Man's um, substance abuse problem, which uh, became a uh, a hot topic of debate, and what even more people don't realize is that when the Four Horsemen were sculpting the uh, King Grayskull figure, it was actually Chris's torso that they used as a model to uh, sculpt that body. So, um, if you're impressed by the, the musculature and the um, significant, uh, you know, torso of King Grayskull, that's pure Chris. I mean, he's very modest, but that's what he is. Anyway. I digress. What I really wanted to say was that um, happy two years anniversary to Chris Fint and his Masters of the Universe Chronicles, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hey Chronicles, John the Shadow Callus here wishing you a very happy second birthday. Masters of the Universe Chronicles, Pixel Dan here. Chris, I just wanted to stop by to say congratulations on two years of your fantastic podcast. I think what you're doing is incredibly awesome. Any exposure for the Masters of the Universe brand is absolutely wonderful. I think what you're doing is terrific. And I really hope that you keep this going for a third year, a fourth year, a fifth year, and beyond. Chris, Again, congratulations on two wonderful years of Chronicles, and keep it going, my friend. Good journey. This is Dylan from the Masters of the Universe Classics fan page on Facebook. Just wanted to wish Masters of the Universe Chronicles a very happy birthday. Two years running of awesomeness. Let's hope for many more. Woo! Hey, this is James Sala Sawyer wishing the Masters of the Universe Chronicle show a happy second anniversary. Two full years. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, thanks, Chris, for all the great shows and for giving me the opportunity to be on the show quite a few times now. I'm sure there's going to be many more great years to come and many more great interviews to come. So I raise my glass to you, Masters of the Universe Chronicles, proving that the terrible twos do not exist. Direct from both Eternia and Etheria, from deep within the confines of Castle Grayskull, it's time to join in the battle for the power of goodness with Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. Hi there, guys, and welcome to, well, the second 
second year anniversary of Master Universe Chronicles, I would personally like to thank each and every individual, um, which you may have heard already, the likes of John Callis, Pixel Dan, Dylan Cook, James Sawyer, and of course, Dean Stephan, um, yeah, who uh, left, a, left a little birthday greeting, so thank you very much, it does mean a great deal. Um, the ones that I put at the front are just the ones that not I'm not saying that they all don't mean something but those are the ones that whenever I listened to um, I was just like wow I'm really happy that they sent in birthday greens which we'll hear more of later on there's some other brilliant ones in there from some terrific people who I've met over the years and have built up with a strong friendship with the likes of Wade Thurman Mike Lacey Chris Sunday to name but a few but there is some other people as well on Twitter the likes of Alex Hunter and uh, Count Mars um, and there's a few other ones in there as well but uh, I'll not spoil the surprise so thank you all for supporting the Master Universe Chronicles over two years and unfortunately I have a bit of an announcement to make that um, this will be the last episode of the Master Universe Chronicles oh no uh, it's not sorry um, that was a dream I had that I didn't want to do it anymore so uh, sorry if I scared you there just thought oh, I'll just play a little bit of a birthday prank it is my birthday after all well podcast birthday um so yes you would have heard on the last q a um with michael Lacey and myself um that um the main interview this month is with uh doug howard uh doug howard however you want to pronounce it who played songster and the uh, master universe parter um so there's about 20 25 minutes um with mr howard talking about um the the parter and how demanded it was and things like that um, obviously, with it being the birthday show, we need to kind of pad it out, make it a big bonanza, big blockbuster. Um, so there is a something else for you. Um, there is the beginning commentary. Uh, it's the first three episodes for the 2002 show. Obviously, Dean Stephan worked on that. Uh, see the way it all ties in together. It's it's like I almost planned it. Uh, so yes, James Sawyer, Dylan Cook, and myself um, all sat down and talked about that. There is the audio audio in the background. It may be a little bit out of sync because it's so hard um, to figure out where it is. Um, but hopefully that'll not detract from your listening pressure. But whenever you listen to it at the end, whenever I say until next time, there is the music that plays out the 2002 show. Have a listen after that. There's a little outtake there that um, was particularly funny, so I had to put it in there. Um, so thanks to uh, Mr. Sawyer for that. So yeah, um, just thank you if you took the time to send in a birthday greeting, um, which featured in the show. If you tried to and were unsuccessful, if you sent in a, an email just congratulating me, congratulating me on two years, really it does mean a lot um, this is just something that I do in my spare time I enjoy the heck out of doing it I hope that everyone has a fun time at Paracon Wade Thurman you lucky man getting free tickets for that hopefully Paracon if it goes on next year may be something that I personally will be attending um, so there will be maybe, let's just say there may be something to entice me to come which you, you may find um over the next few weeks or whatever but I'm just teasing I'm not saying anymore uh, so yeah it is something that I'm looking into because it is something I would like to do and meet all the, the wonderful people who I've met on Facebook and heman.org etc um, okay so uh, that's that's all just again thank you so much to everyone Pop Culture Network uh, heman.org Facebook Twitter email Skype anything if you've been Part of the show, the likes of Rob Bass, Wayne Halleck, uh, there's 
just too many people to thank and I don't want this to turn into an, sorry what's that oh you're playing my music you want me to go like an Oscar speech okay uh, so yeah just thanks it really does mean a lot uh, I do appreciate everyone who's been on the show who who has more importantly often their friendship um, to me it uh, really does mean a lot so on with the rest of the show and uh, don't forget um, to stay tuned to Master Universe Chronicles for more goodness and uh, yes so just thanks again to everyone and uh, hope you enjoy the show <laughs> What's up, Chris Vinto, man, and fellow Chronicles listeners? This is Justin Zamuda, a.k.a. Count Mazo, wishing Chronicles a happy second birthday. It's hard to believe it's been a couple years already. I've been tuning into Chronicles since the very beginning, listening to every episode since the very first one. You know I can't ever get enough Masters of the Universe. You guys know that. Chronicles has had so many awesome interviews and fan contributions over the past two years and I look forward to several more years of that to come. Keep up the good work, Chris Vent. Love it. Hey, this is Lex Hunter from Twitter and the forums. I just want to wish Masters of the Universe Chronicles a happy two-year anniversary. There's been so many great moments, I can't pick my favorite, but I hope you guys keep making this podcast for many years to come. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Chris Sunday, wanting to wish Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles on their second birthday, which means the terrible twos. So be afraid. Very afraid! Hello there, this is Rufflock from the Old Oil House, wishing Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles a very happy anniversary. Well done, sir. No. Hey Chris, Sween Hollick here. Happy birthday to Masters of the Universe Chronicles, dude. Wow, two years old. Before you know it, you'll be three, and then four, and then five, and then 33 with six cats, a house you can't afford, a pension for booze, and oh, Sorry, went off topic there for a second. Seriously, congrats on your show turning two. It's always been fun to listen to and join in on. So until your next birthday, let the power return! Hey Chris, Wade Thurman, Y007 on the He-Man.org boards, just calling in to give you a big happy birthday! So are you two now, huh? Well, you know what that means, right? Yep. Means you went through the whole walking stage, you know how to walk and get around. And now, just like my son Sam, you've reached that landmark age where you start developing a real attitude. Yep. Bitches, over the next year, you're going to start walking around, bossing people around, telling them what to do for your podcasts. Yeah, basically having them all kiss your butt because you just think you're the king of podcast land. Well, guess what, buddy? You're pretty cool. Pretty smooth. Everybody loves and adores you. But, just like my son Sam, you get out of line, you can get a timeout. Yes, and it can be a very long one if we wanted to. So you better watch yourself. Just watch yourself. <laughs> now, just seriously, just uh, I want to call, give you a. Uh, 
big happy birthday uh hit number two which is a big landmark year so last year was really fun you had some great interviews some just some great discussions and very excited to see what you're going to do for this upcoming year of chronicles so hopefully you got some cool things lined up um you know if you need any ideas always uh tap my brain uh, as, long, as well as all your other fans out there we all like to submit our ideas to you so uh Hopefully, uh, got some good, cool things lined up for the upcoming year, and really looking forward to it. So, don't disappoint us. And remember what I just said earlier: don't get cocky, because we will give you a timeout. Bye. Hey, it's Patrick. Hey, it's Jeffrey. And we're from the Masters of the Universe Classics Portal. And Jeffrey, what are we doing here today? Uh, we're here to wish happy birthday to the Masters of the Universe Chronicles podcast and by, run by our friend Chris Vint. That's right. So it's been two years for the po uh, Masters of the Universe Cla uh, oh. Chronicles podcast. It has. And they do awesome interviews and cool episode commentaries. We've listened to a bunch of them. Yeah, we have. And uh, we just wanted to take a minute to say... Happy birthday out there to the Chronicles podcast, and thanks again to Chris Vint, who runs that site, for putting out such awesome yeah, content thanks. for us, and thanks again uh, for all your support of us over at the Masters of the Universe Classics Portal. Yeah. Happy birthday. Until next time. Good journey. Good journey. Hi guys, Mike Lazy here. Just want to wish Chris Vint and Masters of the Universe Chronicles a very happy birthday. I've been very proud and honored to have been a part of the show and many happy returns. Hello and welcome to another interview segment of the Master Universe Chronicles. It's a two-year anniversary of Master Universe Chronicles. And there's been a guy who superfan Ben, Ben Harder, um, has been kind enough to put me in touch with. And as always, I'll let that person introduce himself. So, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. Uh, hi everyone, it's Doug Howard, a.k.a. Songster. That's right, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Howard, thank you very much for taking the time to come on uh, Master Universe Chronicles. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm really looking forward um, to some of the questions we're going to ask and hearing the answers from yourself. And uh, just welcome to the Master Universe Chronicles, first and foremost. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so obviously you've said, first of all there, that um, you were known as Songster um, and the Master Universe powered her. Um, getting the part of Songster, how did that actually come about? Well, <clears throat> as Tony Christopher explained to me when he was pitching me on the show, um, <clears throat> Masters of the Universe is just as complicated as Wagner's ring. <laughs> uh, with all the characters and all the different people and all of the, the, the nonsense going on, <clears throat> and they needed something to tie it together. Um, originally, they were going to have Master uh, 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 Zach Hoffman, uh, Master at Arms, uh, do the narration. But being that he was part of the story, uh, that didn't really make a lot of sense uh, in its evolution. So they created Songster to basically tie the whole mess together uh, and to try to jam all of that in an hour and a half. It was it was needed. Okay. Um, the tour must have been quite demanding, including Ben was saying to me that whenever he was talking to you, he didn't have a great harness for you to perform one of Songster's key moves. What would be one story that will stay with you, with you forever? <laughs> well, 
<clears throat> Songster made his appearance on a 50-foot or better chain hoist from the light rigging uh, up above the stage. And uh, it was all built uh, you know, specifically for the show. There's no real standard or stock equipment for that. Plus, it was quite a number of years ago, and we didn't really have the, uh, the equipment that folks have to work with today. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but I sat in, in basically a pod uh, up, way up in, into the light rigging, and uh, the pod lowered to the stage as I made my entrance. The pod was screened with a circular, almost like a shower curtain kind of thing that had a, uh, had a hoop on the bottom of it to keep it uh, uh, flush. Okay. And one day, <laughs> uh, the edge of my pod caught the edge of the curtain and started to behave like a dump truck. Oh, dear. And the, uh, it basically, I was hanging on with my arms because my feet were gone out from underneath me. And I'm looking down, and I'm still trying to sing at the same time. I don't know if there's a recording of that per performance, but it, the noises that came out of me must have been pretty interesting. <laughs> and then it, then it corrected itself, and we just continued. Um, and the other thing that I did in Radio City Music Hall uh, I used to, at my entrance, I used to run down as close as I could to the audience and try to, uh, you know, uh, shake a few kids' hands and, and uh, you know, really just sort of reach out and touch. And uh, Radio City being not an arena, a proper stage, I had to jump down on top of the orchestra pit, which was boarded over for our show. And uh, I did my move, and I jumped, and I landed... Uh, except my heel, because I was wearing these ridiculous pirate boots, uh, <laughs> caught the edge of a tumbling mat, and I tore two ligaments in my ankle. Oh, ouch! And yeah, and I heard it. I heard it go pop, pop. Um, but it was the very beginning of the show. <laughs> oh, is this like a typical wrestler that you finish the show? Well, I had, you know, I mean, there was no way that we could stop the show. It was, you know, Radio City Musical. I think it was my third or fourth performance. We did 18, I think, there. Uh, and anyway, <clears throat> I could hear <clears throat> backstage, off stage right, and stage left, they'd have uh, speakers. <clears throat> and you could hear the, uh, the stage manager calling cues and, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry about that. Yeah, okay. Calling cues and and you know chattering back and forth with all the the techies, and uh, bottom line is that I managed to jump back up on the stage and I stood in one spot. I didn't move because I knew I couldn't walk. Uh, and normally I'm all, I was all over the place. I was all over the stage, all over the the risers, you know, running around all over the place. And it said, and I I heard the stage manager go, "He's not moving. He's not moving." <laughs> And they said he's hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so like I finished. I finished the entire first act, and they had a whole crew of uh, stagehands off to uh, stage right, where I made my exit uh, to catch me, because that was barely all I could do was hobble off the stage. But we taped up my ankle, uh, fed me full of painkillers, and I just continued the uh, the whole the whole tour. But to this day, I have two ankle bones. Um, where normally there would be one, uh, you see two knobbies on the side of my foot, 
and that was because I never had it repaired. So that's like looking down and going, yep, thank you, Songster, I appreciate that. Um, was it a happy time being on the power tour with your fellow colleagues, and do you actually stay in touch with any of them? No, not really. Uh, uh, well, not, not really in terms of staying in touch with people. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a tour. Uh, it was one out of, you know, a gazillion other things that I've done. Uh, but uh, I've gotten back in touch with Jack Wadsworth and uh, um, uh, Leslie, of course, his wife, and a uh, uh, few other people. But, uh, no, you know, the thing is, is that when you're touring, you're all very close uh, but uh, you're not, you know, once the tour is done, um, you really don't have a hell of a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you all move on to other things, and you're all very fond of each other, but uh, but there's not a, a lot of commonality outside of the show. I guess that's the best way to explain it. So, I mean, yeah, I had a good time, and, and I didn't have any major issues with anyone on the road, but uh, we don't really stay that much in touch. Okay, so it's very much like in high school, you know, like you all have stuff in common and then whenever you leave, it's kind of everyone goes their separate ways. Um, there are a few YouTube videos around regarding the power tour. Is there any songs that we may not have heard that um, you can still fondly remember? Well, I mainly, uh, they, there were a number of songs. that All the songs were written specifically for the show, but uh, uh, you have the power. Um, was was great because it was you know so self empowering to the to the kids. Uh, that's the one, that, and I still actually remember all the lyrics, which I normally don't do. Okay, um, were you aware of the affection that is still around to this day for Masters of the Universe? Actually, no. I, I was I was completely oblivious. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it was a tour that I did. You know, that's sort of the way I looked at it. Okay. Um, uh, there's been a guy, Roger Lee Jr., he's actually been in a documentary called Toy Masters and features in He-Man and She-Ra from the Power Tour. Um, mm -hmm. Should Mr. Hard be on this as well? Uh, I don't know. I, if, if they think I'm that interesting. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've seen some trailers from the film. It seems like it's two guys arguing over who came up with He-Man, which okay. is pretty funny to watch. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, if they think I'm... I'm interesting enough. Yeah, sure. I mean, I suppose I'd, I'd sit down and talk about it. I mean, in terms of, as as now in hindsight, I'm understanding, you know, how complex and how huge He-Man was. Uh, the Power Tour was only one small segment in the history of uh, Masters of the Universe. So, I don't know. Yeah, sure. You know, put him in touch with me. Okay. Um, obviously, Songster was the main attraction for the Power Tour. Was it a surprise to yourself that he was such a hit? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why? Why would that be? Why was it such well, a surprise? I just, to you? I, you know, I, I was completely unaware of, you know, what. I mean, I, I knew what the toy line was. You know, I, I have kids of my own at the time, and they were the right age for that particular toy line, and and I, I was familiar with, you know, the toy line, but I had no idea how huge it was, and to have Songster, sort of turn into this, this. Uh, attraction uh, it took me by surprise but um, uh, not that it knocked me off my feet in terms of you know changing my life or anything like that it didn't particularly do that uh, but yeah I mean I was surprised I was surprised that we had groupies and 
and lunatics running around with I'm the Antichrist signs, and you know. But I'd been dealing with that kind of nonsense in all the bands that I'd been in, so it really didn't seem that out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, there's a gentleman, Rob Bass, who comes on Master Universe Chronicles quite regularly, and he was at, actually at one of the power tours, and it's one of his earliest memories. Um, how does it make you feel that, you know, with a lot of people, that, um, that you are one of their earliest memories? Well, I go back to the song, You Have the Power. You know, originally, I have to, I have to be honest with you, they, they offered the, the tour to me four times, and I turned it down each time. Um, and, and it was really, you know, the bottom line was uh, they had to come up with a price, and uh, they did, eventually. And so I was in rehearsals, and I was learning the material, and, and I, you know, found it a little, I don't know, I guess, I, I guess you could say uh, uh, some of it was silly. You know, I, I, but when I got in front of the audience, and particularly the song "You Have the Power," uh, and I was singing it right to kids, there I, I envisioned my own kids. I envisioned you know these kids in terms of just being empowered. I remember we did a show in uh, Philadelphia, the last uh, the last show that had been booked into the Philadelphia Civic Center, and this was a rough show. Uh, this it really was rough. Um, it was a rough audience. They were angry. Um, it was uh, a lot of folks that didn't have a lot to begin with. And uh, these kids, when they got their power swords and they raised them up in the air, I, I really just felt that they, the message that we wanted to get across to them was that you can, you have the power. You can be anything you want. You can change the world from bad to good. If you only knew, it could be you. And uh, I'd have to say that, you know, overall, that, that made it uh, uh, special for me. And, and to have kids still remember that, I guess we did our job. Okay, brilliant. Um, have you also heard about the Songster petition to get a figure in the new Master Universe Classics line? And if, if this is the first time you've heard about it, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I've already talked to Mattel about that, um, and I can't go into uh, any great detail except to say that, uh, you know, uh, thank you all very, very much for, uh, for your uh, insistence. Okay. Uh, speaking of Mattel, um, Mattel people also came to the shows, and you had to deal with that, you know, whether it said you had to do that or you had to do whatever. How much of a challenge was it having Mattel people at the shows? Oh, you know, they were, well, when the Mattel people would show up there, we always have a meet and greet after the show. Uh, what we used to do was uh, Jack, Leslie, myself, Zach, and uh, uh, Orko would go out into the house right after the show and, and shake the kids' hands and, 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 and just, you know, uh, uh, do a, an impromptu meet and greet. But we had security problems with that Uh after a while where uh, people were grabbing us and, uh, you know, uh, taking shots at Jack. It got kind of crazy. Uh, so the VIP uh, meet and greets uh, sort of supplanted that. Um, and uh, I can remember the Mattel people. Anytime they showed up, it was always a party. Uh, it was well catered. <laughs> and, uh, you know, anything and everything you wanted was there. And uh, they, they were a lot of fun because you could let down your guard. You didn't have to be in character. Um, they were actually more interested in you as a person. So uh, I, you know, I, I, I had a good time, you know, hanging out with the Mattel people. They were they were pros and uh, and they were fun. Okay. 
Um, the power tour should have been a great thing for kids, but there were religious protests and stuff, which you touched on <laughs> earlier earlier on. Uh, was this something you expected to occur? Uh, I didn't expect it, particularly in this tour, because I thought it was, you know, focusing on kids and a kid's story line. Um, but I had been dealing with that for years prior, because we used to have people protesting and sending Bibles to our rooms and, and, and stuff like that in the bands that I'd been in prior. And since, uh, we, you know, you still get some of that sometimes. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they made their point. They, you know, they were harmless. Okay. Um, would you like to appear in any of the He-Man conventions? And have there been any contact from people um, regarding you appearing at different conventions? Uh, yeah, I've had a couple of conversations with people. We'll see where that goes. It's not going to happen this year. Um, maybe, maybe next year or the subsequent. All right, okay. Brilliant. Um, what were your thoughts when the power tour ended, and do you wish it was taken to Europe, etc.? Um, well, the first thing that I noticed that I was in some of the best physical shape of my life, uh, because the show was so physically demanding, um, that I really was, I, I was in great physical shape. And, uh, be honest with you, you know, when, when you're in the business I'm in, the, really the only thing that you focus on is where's the next tour. And, uh, you know, that's really the only thing that I was focusing on once it was done. Like, <laughs> okay, that's done. All right, next. You know, so, uh, uh, in terms of it going to Europe, yeah, you know, sure, that would have been fun, but, uh, we were out for a year and a half. Uh, I was away from home for a year and a half on that tour, and that's the longest I've ever been away on a tour. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, it would have been great. It would be fine, you know, the thanks, you know, thank you for the check. Um, but uh, uh, once, you know, once a tour is done, you know, you don't get all melancholy. You just simply work for, look for the next gig. Okay. Um, you've also worked with other um, musical people after the par tour. What has been your highlight while in music? Um, well, that's kind of difficult to answer because I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of things. Uh, <clears throat> I guess you know probably one of the biggest highlights and, and people know me for is uh, you know having performed at Monsters of Rock, opening for Scorpions and. Uh, Rainbow and uh, uh, Judas Priest. Um, I did a lot of work with the Edgar Winter Group. I was with the Edgar Winter Group for years, long, long, long time. Uh, and uh, each, you know, each tour, each album, each band, um, you know, it has its own highs and lows, uh, and they're all sort of unique to themselves. But I couldn't really put my finger on one particular thing. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm just very fortunate that I've been working as long as I have. You know. Okay. Okay, brilliant. Uh, to touch on some of your own music, um, Stun Lear was a big band in Europe. Uh, yeah. Did it disappoint you that it wasn't big back home in the United States? Not really. Um, American taste in music uh, is very transitory. And, you know, your flavor of the month one week and you're a complete dirtbag the next week. So <laughs> having to have gone through that... Uh, I, I kind of think that we were um, we were fortunate. Um, 
and the legacy that Stunlier still has to this day in Europe, I mean, just continues to amaze me. Um, so, uh, no, you know, I mean, at the time I was pissed off because, you know, it would have been nice to be able to tour in the States and not have to concentrate on Europe and Japan just from a logistical point of view, but um, in hindsight, uh, I'd have to say that uh, it all worked out for the best. Okay. Uh, another one of your band, uh, Touch, was a big international hit. Uh, what for you made this different from Stun Lear? Everybody liked each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Touch was a very unhappy band. Okay. Stunlier, um, you know, every band has its own problems. You know, you're 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 crawling all over each other for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Eventually, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. But uh, Stunlier managed to be semi-functional, where uh, Touch was. Uh, I think that the amount of animosity was only superseded by Asia. Right. Okay. The band Asia was notorious for their animosity, and uh, I think that uh, they, they only outdid us maybe by a couple of clicks. <laughs> um, what is in the future for Doug Hard and his music? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm busy. I have a company called Lodestar Entertainment. Uh, we do music video licensing and distribution. Um, I am currently musical director for a R&B singer by the name of Rob Lee who had a release a number of years back called Upstate Cats, which I think is still available on Amazon and, uh, and so forth. Uh, so I'm working with him, and uh, I managed to do a solo album uh, for MTM uh, out of Germany uh, quite a number of years ago. Um, and they've been asking me for a follow-up to that, but I have to be honest with you, I've been moving more in a jazz vein, so I'll probably piss off my fans even more than I did last time. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, when I do an album, you know, there's people that expect touch music, they expect Stun Lear, and, you know, my whole thing is, is I did that. Mm -hmm. I did that already. <laughs> Let's yeah. do something else. But people get really vitriolic, you know, once you, you know, try to change styles. But I'm sorry, man. You know, music is an evolution, and, and I'm, at the moment, you know, hearing a lot of jazz. So I've been laying down some demos. Uh, there's a couple of uh, little quick ones on my website, uh, doug-howard.com. Uh, Doug Doug uh, Doug-Howard.com. There's my plug for the interview. Uh, <laughs> well, well, my le next question was going to be, how can people stay in touch with what Doug Hart is doing? And you've kind of already covered that. But if you want to divulge anything else, you know, whether it be albums or whether it be like if you're on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, feel free to plug well, whatever am, you want, I, sir. I am on Facebook, um, and I'm I'm actually a Facebook junkie. I try to <laughs> respond to everybody, uh, which gets a little cumbersome but but i i, I still I, I really look forward to hearing from people and um you can find me on facebook uh doug howard um in new york new york i don't know really know how the uh, algorithms work for facebook but uh <laughs> doug howard new york new york and uh i think my occupation is listed as itinerant bass player uh at least that's what the judge called me at the trial um, <laughs> So uh, I'd be more than happy to friend, uh, you know, whoever wants to uh, say hello and stay in touch. And uh, 
I know Ben uh, went out and bought a couple, bunch of my albums, and he sent them in to have them autographed, which I have no problem doing. Uh, you know, as I say, I mean, we we do this. We do what we do because it's it's compulsive. We can't help but do music. But of course, you know, we wouldn't be uh, lucky enough without fans. So, uh, you know, whatever whatever uh, uh, you know, anybody wants to get in touch, if uh, no pun intended. Uh, get me through. Please friend me on Facebook, uh, or you know, you can even shoot an email to the office uh, through the website, and I do I do respond to them. Okay, uh, Mr. Hart, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and talk with you. Thank you so much once again for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So just once again, thank you very much, sir. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. I can't believe it's been two years since Massey vs. Chronicles debuted. It just seems like, I don't know, it was like only yesterday when I was first on it. Which by, you can tell, is my favorite, favorite, favorite podcast because it has me in it. And my other favorite podcast has, I was in those also. So needless to say that all the best podcasts had Rob Bass in them and we gets to promote his shows, not Mint and Box and Comic Nation TV. And from Earth to Cybertron, that wonderful new Transformer article. But the truth is, it's two years. Happy, happy, happy birthday to a podcast hosted by my good friend, Chris Vint. Chris Vint has got to be one of the most fun people you hear on podcasts this very time in life and existence. He's just so much fun to decipher. Because you never know where he's going to go with things. Is he going to like it? Is he going to screw up? Is his internet connection going to fail and I'll have to take over the podcast and do it myself? You never know what's going to happen. No, no, but seriously, what I love about Massimo's Chronicles is that you get an honest-to-goodness person who loves He-Man and everything He-Man. You could say Toy Guru is that guy, but the truth is, it's Chris Vint. Every episode, be it the filmation discussions or uh, the bio discussions, which I've been a part of many times, I have to thank Chris for that. It's always just enjoyable listening to him talk to people. You know, be it Roger Sweet or even Toy Guru himself. Or sitting there with James Sawyer or, or Wade Thurman or whoever you got. And the additions with Sween has done and, and our good boys Netlex and, and everybody else. It just makes Masters that much more enjoyable. It's amazing in the world that we live in nowadays, and all the podcasts about Master Universe, that you never get tired of it. Here it is, two years, and I can't wait for every other Sunday to listen to the Master Universe Chronicles. And for that, I gotta thank him. He works hard on it. You deserve this. And let's get another 20,000 years out of this. Hello, everyone. This is Yoni from Finland. And I wanna wish happy second anniversary to Masters of the Universe Chronicles podcast and Chris Wind. And while I'm here, I thought I share some of my Masters of the Universe Chronicles podcast memories with you. During these last two years, there has been a lot of different kinds of episodes, and some of them have become my personal favorites.
and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, in both Eternia and Etheria, it is I, Alan Price, the co-host of Operation Retroshock and WrestleShock, alongside, ooh, the man just over, ah yes, just over there, yes, he is your host of the Masters of the Universe Chronicles, yes, that is, of course, Chris Vint, so, I thought I'd just call by and say, my, 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 two years? Are you serious? It's been two years since this whole thing began? Happy birthday, Masters of the Universe Chronicles to Chris and everybody else who has been involved with the show. So, take care, spike your hair, eat some cake, have a beer, Chris doesn't drink, but have some coke or something glass of water, pint of milk, I don't really know, but enjoy yourself nonetheless, and I will catch you in the future, or is it the past, I don't really know, on Operation Retroshock. Happy birthday! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode commentary of the Master Universe Chronicles, and I normally I have James E-Talk with me, and I do have a James, but I'm it's not E-Talk, it's James Sawyer. Hello, James. Hello, Mr. Vince. <laughs> it always puts on like a posh voice whenever he comes on, like, hello. You just hear him <laughs> beforehand, it's like, F this and S that and <laughs> dropping bombs all over the place. Um, so it's been a while since Mr. Sawyer has been on participating in like a discussion or a commentary. Um, obviously, he's been very busy with Star Trek stuff and some uh, videos that he's done with his son Blaze. So it's nice to have you back, James. I've been personally looking forward to you coming back on. So um, I'm looking forward to this. So everything okay with you, sir? Everything's going great, man. I'm I'm very happy to be on here today. Yeah, and he's got an iMac. Everyone just uh, you know, like he was gloating earlier on. So gloating. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah, iMac. Yeah, and then we had the webcam on, and we saw him like, um, we'll not say um, like uh, he's his son's awesome. So you know, like obviously he must have inherited his manners from his mother's side. But anyway, <laughs> uh, um, and I, I maybe slightly <laughs> bragging. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say gloating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's... gloat or is now James here. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, the other person helping us uh, with the commentary is Dylan Cook. Hello, Dylan. How are you, sir? I'm alright, Chris. How are you? Yeah, obviously you'll remember that these guys uh, were instrumental in the 1987 movie um, commentary, which was just a uh, great fun to do. So we're well. I'll let uh, I'll let James actually just. Um, reveal of what we're actually going to uh, be commenting on. Oh, we're going to do the uh, 2000s cartoon, the uh, the beginning, the first three-parter. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, um, it's broke up into three parts, so um, what we're going to do is hit play all whenever we get there. So, if you want to join us, if you get uh, volume one, disc one, and pop it in, and whenever it comes up, obviously, I'll uh, give you a little uh, breakdown, and um, we'll just go through there. So, hopefully, on, on like an unaired one, let's just say, we'll maybe watch the cartoon more than actually talk about toys and stuff. Isn't that right, Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, are we ready, gents? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, play. Mm -hmm. I always forgot that there was always this like little cutscene oh, thing. Oh, see, spoilers. Mine went to episodes. 
What? Okay, we're going to have to start again, we're folks. To start oh, over no. again. Okay, so if we hit our menu button and then we go to. I think I did this last time. <laughs> oh, look, he gets a Mac, but he can't work a DVD. <laughs> <I can't laughs> well, Says the guy couldn't find a remote a minute ago. Oh, they don't know about that. <laughs> uh, they do not. <laughs> Hang on, okay, James, have you got the play all highlighted in blue? Oh, well, hold on, get... we're going back, back. Okay. i got to get back to. See, I had it highlighted in white. Oh, no, I'm should we start this again or should we start <laughs> it on? Oh, this is great. They'll love this. Yeah, they'll love this. Yeah, yeah. This We're like regular people. Obviously, we've had James E. Talk on the show, ladies and gentlemen, who's actually picked wrong episodes. So now we just had <laughs> episodes instead of play all. So wouldn't be James without making a mock up of things. But anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to make him feel better, you know? Nice. <laughs> okay. I don't want to show him up as a James that knows how to use a DVD better than he does or something. Okay, I'm going to the BC- I had to start it over. It's it wouldn't go back to the menu screen. So now I'm on the Mattel screen, and soon I'll be at the menu screen. Okay, I'm gonna get there. So now, what, <laughs> now what color should it be on? Should it be? Should it play it should just all? be? Yeah, yeah just blue. play all the way. It's like blue. Okay, hmm. I'm gonna br- I'm gonna blame this on being a different region code or something. Well, we have the American yeah. ones. Uh, We're at a disadvantage here, not you. No, no. <laughs> We it's never actually got this released over here, isn't that it right? It must have been the region code. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, do you have do you have it there? It's it's uh, up and it's highlighted in blue now. Okay, right. So, this is take two, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry <laughs> about this. So, uh, let's see. So, there'll be an elect- electrical surge or somebody's power will go out or something. <laughs> so, uh, so okay. Three, two, one, play. I think I got it this time. So you see like a little cutscene, and then it just flashes up, and then it says, Come on, I am Adam, Prince of Eternia. Which is actually, if you notice that this isn't the intro that they showed at the very start of the um, episode whenever it aired, because there's been so many different intros in this here. Because obviously this one has Skeletor laughing, whereas whenever you watched it on Cartoon Network or... What did we get on Dylan Toonami, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Toonami, yeah. Yeah, obviously the intros were different. Either he didn't blink his eyes or whatever. So, um, Dylan, uh, what what are you... Sorry, James, were you going to say uh, something there? I was just going to throw in there real quick. I was I was pretty excited when they added this this intro on. Oh, I, right. I like that new intro. I love right. the new intro. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. I'm really glad that that was added on in the series. I always like the noise that Whiplash makes whenever he, you see him coming down. I don't know why, but I always like us. Uh, maybe because it sounds like a T-Rex, kind of. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay, uh, Dylan, what do you remember about uh, whenever you first uh, watched this? And the uh, anticipation, and then James will ask yourself before we... Uh, oh, that's fine. Oh, well, I, I was really, really excited. I mean, I've been... Ever since I heard it announced, I've been following everything. I'd watched the... You know, the trailers that Peter Cullen was doing or, um, that I managed to watch on YouTube. I was like, wow, this is looking amazing. And then, finally, it just started, and it was... It was absolutely brilliant. It was nice that they managed to keep all like the built like the filmation elements, but they added a lot more drama to it that a lot of kids' cartoons have started to have now. James, where were yourself? Oh, uh, I was in the same boat. I was very excited to see it because um, He-Man had been gone for so long, you know, and I had my filmation tapes and things like that. But yeah, I was, I was, I was. Just so excited to see this. I remember, like, just waiting until that day came and, like, sitting in front of the TV and just waiting for it to show up. I was like a little kid again when this came out. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I totally agree with Dylan. They kept a lot of the filmation elements, especially in this first three-parter. There are some issues, and we'll get into that as the, the commentary goes on. But uh, I was pretty excited to see things in this that I'd always wanted to see, like this whole Council of Elders scene, uh, Keldor thing. I think it's really, really cool. Keldor, the best thing they've added, to, I think. To be honest. Oh, yeah. I, I, he, even though he looks like an evil Errol Flynn, you know, I, I really like how smarmy he is as well. Yeah, this, he just this walks in the screen. He just smiles. What's interesting here is too is that uh, almost the entire beginning uh, three-parter is the like the filmation series bible. Um, other than the uh, the addition of the Keldor thing and kind of changing the villain elements, almost all of this is like the filmation bible. Um, it's the the times changed and the villain origins have changed, but. The whole Council of Elders turning themselves into the power and, um, you know, hiding it in the Castle Grayskull and Adam's birthday and he gets taken there and all these things. That's all straight out of the Filmation Bible. Um, so it's really cool that this is basically, I mean, I hate to, to call it a prequel, but it's it's almost like a prequel to the Filmation series. When you ignore a couple of elements like Manny Faces being there, um, things here and there. Don't brag them No, I love Manny Faces being there. I love it, but it, it wouldn't jive with filmation for him to be there already uh, but if you can pretty much take this as a filmation prequel this this first three parter yeah well, I mean they, they mentioned Keldor in the uh, last mini comics didn't they as well that's right yeah but they never said he was Skeletor as such they just they kind of nodded towards it and I like the fact that Mike Young took that and just like right he is he is going to be his brother and all that kind of thing exactly it's a great marriage of that you know marriage taking the, the really cool filmation bible storyline and origin and adding the Keldor element in there to kind of finally address that is awesome. And James, what were your thoughts on this? Where, whenever Keldor gets his face burned, were you thinking this is going to be totally different from Filmation because we never saw anything like this whatsoever? Oh yeah, it was. It, it was like man, within the first five minutes, you're getting so much. You know, you're you're finding about the Council of Elders. You're getting. You're seeing Keldor for the very first time. You're you're seeing these younger versions of all these characters, and you get him turned into Skeletor, like, right there, right off the beginning. It's like, wow, this is a game-changer. This this series is going to be a lot different than Filmation. And I love Filmation, and I prefer Filmation, but it was cool to see this darker uh, take, you know, to, to see a, a real dark side to the Master Universe. Dylan, your thoughts kind of the same kind of way of I mean, James I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'd be interested from James, actually. I mean, I thought that was quite dark, that for kids. I mean, I know we get stuff like that in, like, the original Batman cartoons, but, but I mean, how do you feel, you know, as a parent with, with the acid melting his face? Is that okay, or...? Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, it hasn't really come up too much, because my kids really like the Filmation series. So, I mean, we've we've watched bits and pieces of this one, but... It just doesn't grab, especially Blaze, and kind of my younger son Keaton just does whatever Blaze does. Um, so it's just this just doesn't grab him like the Filmation series does. So it hasn't really been an issue. Um, but yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't really thought like about showing him that. I don't know since it's a cartoon. See, my kids are really good at separating, you know, cartoons from reality. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people don't give kids the credit they deserve for being able to separate cartoons from reality and there's there's so much of it now that you you've got it oh we can't do that we can't show this we can't show that man they showed so much of this stuff when i was a kid in movies and everything i watched robocop when i was a kid you know and i, I knew it wasn't real um but it, it's 
it's a different time, so it is kind of. Uh, it is a good question to know if that. Was. I suppose in some. Sorry, Chris. I, I was just going to say, in some respects, I suppose you could say that not to go off tangent, but you could say it's like the end of Revenge of the Sith, wherever Anakin gets burned by the lava. Mm. Oh you yeah. Know, like that, that's something that you know you don't really expect to see in a Star Wars film, but the kids kind of kind of accept it but they don't like wouldn't go like uh, oh right well I must go and set people on fire or anything like that you know as you say I think kids get a lot of bad press you know that they don't seem to think for themselves yeah kind of thing. yeah I mean the only mention, reason I mentioned was because like you said the kids watch Filmation yeah. and like, at that time Filmation you know the original He-Man was damned like Dungeons and Dragons for bringing demonic elements in stuff like oh, that yeah. and yet this is a much more violent representation of He-Man it really okay. is. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was astounded when, as a kid. I mean, I don't. I think I'm older than both of you. Um, but I, 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 I'm 33. Well, you're seeming as aged to me. Oh, really? I thought I was, thought I was older than you. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess I just look old. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not commenting on that whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I, I remember as a kid that whole thing, you know, where the parent, the parents groups, and the, I mean, uh, uh, the religious groups, the, the really. I'm not dogging religion because I'm religious, but um, the really strict religious groups that were coming down on man, and I just remember my my mom just going, I don't think they've ever watched this show because I don't I don't see the problems in this show. All I see is it's it's teaching you good lessons, and it's you know there's no really violence in here. There's not a lot of guys getting shot or this or that and the other thing. But they focused so much on He-Man, and there was like I mean there's GI Joe and there was all these other things, and I, I didn't get why He-Man was was getting it. So rough, but yeah, you're, this is way darker than that was. Mm. Um, and I, I, I guess it was. It was in prime time when it first premiered, right? Yeah. But they, they eventually put it on in the mornings too. So it, it is. It was seen by kids during kid time slots. I want to throw this in real quick. Beastman's voice here, in this beginning, uh, this this segment is so much better than it is in the series. Yeah, it's a lot gruffer, isn't it? Exactly. They put like yeah. this, like, oh, okay, the show just started. There's trap jaws here. Um, <laughs> I like when our Triclops just drops down with a sword. And just as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, that's like a sword that you never really saw him use in filmation. That yeah. came with the action f figure. I just get distracted by Evil Lynn. I'm oh, sorry, what'd you say, Dylan? I just get distracted by Evil Lynn, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I didn't understand why the voice changed on Beastman in the series, because it became just sort of this... I mean, it's the same guy that does the voice, I think, of Ram Man in the series. Um, I think he does the same two voices, if I'm not mistaken. But there's another voice that this guy does in the series, and it's pretty similar to the way the Beastman ended up kind of sounding throughout the series. And I'm like, man, Beastman sounded great in the beginning. Why did they change it? There's a lot of things... Oh, Sorry, Dylan, I, I don't want to talk over Stepping you. Stepping over each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you go, Dylan. My point's not really that important. Oh, no, I was just saying, there's, like, there's a lot of things about the voices in this series, though, isn't there? Yeah. You know, like, the, the Scottish Stratos and... <laughs> so I have to bring that... I mean, the, the best voice for me in the entire series is Skeletor's. I prefer Harry Dobson's voice to Alan Oppenheimer's. Ooh, I, you lost me. Yeah, I thought I might. <laughs> I like um, the evil Keldor. I do. I, I do like Randor's voice in this, but I think it's um, more the fact, obviously, that people who have watched this may, whenever they hear Man at Arms, think, "Oh, I recognise that voice," which is Gary Chalk, who did the voice of He-Man in the New Adventures of He-Man. So, obviously, I actually think he did a better job in this 
I Percy Spickham than he did in New Adventures. He's a much better man in arms, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even remember New Adventures, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no cross-dressing in that, so... Uh, yay! Well, to go to James. James read the brief. <laughs> I said brief, not briefs, by the way. It's gonna happen every time. <laughs> yeah, Drag Store <laughs> has made a return. <laughs> They'll have to watch. They'll have to listen. If you haven't listened to '87 commentary, that joke makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. Also, not whenever. Well, it's more important. What's the point of all that smoke? Yeah. Dramatic uh, effect. Dramatic effect. Uh, that's all. And here's a commercial. <laughs> I love dramatic effect. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Like I don't know if you guys have have gone through and read the Filmation Bible, but it, it's incredible how many things in this are like taken from that. I mean, the this birthday party, I mean, that's in the Filmation Bible for, for the introduction of, of him becoming He-Man, and Manny Faces does his performance in the Filmation Bible, that's in here. Um, the Sorceress contacts Man-at-Arms in a little while here and tells him to bring Adam, and they have to go through the Evergreen Forest. That's all in there. It's just, it's really amazing that they pretty much just turned the Filmation Bible into a movie. And which is maybe why I like the beginning so much. I mean, it- you know, with he- when the original He-Man, it was like you just got dropped in, didn't you? Oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, whereas this, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for origin stories anyway, but I like the fact that it goes through pretty much everything. It's interesting to, to learn more about the history of it all. Yeah. And what were your thoughts of whenever you obviously Cringer, that Cringer and Battle Cat don't talk? Was that anything that really you were disappointed with or you didn't really care much for, Dylan? Uh, I don't mind, actually. Um, to me, cringe, watching back some of the formation stuff, and Cringer just spends a lot of it whining uh, or, e- or eating. He's kind of like Garfield. So, to me, for, for this, it's like it's it doesn't detract at all, really. There's Adam sporting some nice Final Fantasy style hair there. <laughs> she's got a Madame Raz hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's got a stamp on her head. <laughs> I will say, as a filmation fan, I. Do prefer King Randor from the 2000X cartoon. Mm. Um, I think he's one of the main, the, maybe the only character that I really prefer in this this cartoon to the Filmation series. I prefer his attire in this than the two th- than his like his figure, his like bright red Burger King figure. Uh, I like the the outfit on the figure. <laughs> I just thought the fact he's more proactive as a king. He exactly. Just there and just. Yeah. And already Marlena has probably said like a line more than she said the entire filmation <laughs> series apart from and the yeah. Rainbow Warrior. Weirdly enough, I actually prefer Marlena in the filmation. I do too. Yeah, I do too. I, she, at least she gets to do something in this. You know, she actually yeah. fights the Snake Man later on. But, I mean, she just she's a bit of a very Sorry. I'm just watching. And I'm like, who's King Randor with there? Who's that lady? Yeah, she I'm doesn't like, out, does she? doesn't even seem like Queen Marlena to me. Nothing to worry about. It's like, is that his daughter? Who was that lady? Uh, <laughs> I hope it's not his daughter. Oops. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the um, one thing I, I really don't like is Clawful and Whiplash, both being these idiot characters. Especially Clawful. Yeah, Clawful, I don't like being a dope. I don't. I hate that. I don't. I hate I, it. I actually don't mind Clawful's voice in this. I actually prefer Clawful in this than I did in the filmation. But I prefer Whiplash. I think Whiplash is like obviously with the um, the monster within episode. You know, we see him that he 
brings his friends and stuff, and then we, uh, like Dylan said, you know, like we see the origin story of how he came exiled from his home world and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think there's many, like, villainous characters that I, I don't particularly like. Um, in this, you know, like, I find that in the Formation one, like, um, especially um, Clawful, I just didn't like at all. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I do like them all, it's just... His voice, it's just a dark voice is great for me sometimes. But this is the only thing that bugged me about the 2000X series was that they put a mystic wall up, which obviously can be destroyed, so why is it taking them this long just to, you know, just decide to just wreck it all? I mean, they use it's, crystal it's kind of It's kind of like a mechanic, you know, like, I, it took me three years to find this one part, you know, like, so now I'm going to have to charge you for a billing and this and that. <laughs> Um, well, I, I guess they had to find that gem somewhere. I guess just to make a crack. That's, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's how bugging. You think the gem would just go boom and then everything would be destroyed, <laughs> and then it just makes tiny little crack, and it's like trap jaw always that's looks really odd here. I like his look here. I, I, I think it looks very demented. This is very strange. Oh, there we go. There's me. I like the colors of that. And I can't remember. I, I'm trying to remember if. Was the Manny Faces figure out at this point? I don't think it was. When this premiered? No, uh, it was only the the normal one, the He-Man, uh, Skeletor, Stratos, Merman, yeah. Man-at-Arms. So it was, I, I think, yeah, because I, I, I thought I remember being excited to see him in the cartoon and going, oh, that's cool, we're going to get Manny Faces. You know, I, I'm sure the, yeah. the toy is, is right around the corner if he's in the cartoon. Oh, uh. stupid gun. Yeah, you just, don't worry about that gun. And I like how they play kind of uh, Man at Arms as sort of this. It's cross dressing. There you go. Nay! You got it! <laughs> I do like the fact though in this is that Adam is significantly different from He Man. You know, like he's not yeah. the same build. You know, like it's oh. very. I just saw Shikoti. Immediately. Castle Sorry. And, and, and I'll be back to the Filmation Bible again and again, but that's touched on in there too. It's his 18th birthday, and they, they talk about when he makes the change. He's bigger. He's like a head taller as He-Man. He's he's uh you know he's way bigger musculature and all these different things. And so it's it's interesting to see that that was the groundwork for Filmation, and it didn't happen because of you know that Filmation was the an American cartoon company, and they were limited in budget, and they used a lot of stock animation and use the same character models throughout. So I think that may have been one of the reasons why Adam is just like He-Man. It wasn't going to be like that, it didn't seem like, by the Filmation Bible. It was going to be like this, where Adam was kind of smaller and younger, and he becomes bigger when he becomes He-Man. But it was cool to see it realized here. It's such a more dramatic change, though, isn't it? And it makes the whole, oh, uh, Adam isn't He-Man more believable. It really does. As much as I love Filmation and I love Prince Adam Filmation, it really is a, a better take on it, to have him be smaller and... It looks nothing like He-Man, you know, really. Yeah, and obviously a lot of people dog Cam Clark's um, voice acting in this as Adam and He-Man. Um, James, what are your thoughts? And obviously we've talked talked about some of the voices in this. What are your thoughts on obviously the main character of this cartoon? I really don't mind his Adam. His Adam is is, is okay. You know, I just I don't like his He-Man. Um, I just when you, it's tough to beat John Irwin's He-Man. Mm -hmm. I mean, whenever I think of He-Man, when I hear that voice, it's John Irwin's voice. 
And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be totally wrong on this, I thought that he was also... Wasn't he like the voice of Leonardo in Turtles? Yes, he was. Yes, he was, yeah. So that's, that's what it's always in my head when I hear this voice. I'm like, man, that sounds like Leonardo. Sounds like kind of like watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air and going, Uncle Philip, yeah, you're Shredder. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. So it's it's I don't know. I just I, he's he's I I can't buy him as He-Man as well as I can John Irwin. Is, but is Adam's okay? Yeah, Dylan. What about you? And again, people don't seem to like the transformation that we'll obviously get onto later on. But what are your thoughts? I think he's a good. I agree. I think he's a really good Adam. Um, but unfortunately, Cam Clark's one of those voice actors that gets so used that you, you know, it kind of detract, distracts you, just like James has said. Um, I don't think he's a terrible He-Man. I don't, you know, it's not like he can't be heroic or anything. I just, it's just sometimes a bit distracting. But he doesn't have as much power as John Irwin did. Yeah, there's, there's he, a doesn't really, lack he doesn't really something. command um, as He-Man. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree there. Obviously, they brought out the battle sound He-Man, and one was John Irwin, and one was Cam Clark as well. So, I bet you can't guess which one I bought. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, the one that didn't work. <laughs> I, I bought, I bought the John Irwin one, and then I bought the Cam Clark one. So it was a, it was a trick question. I bought them both. No, I said I <laughs> the Cam Clark one. I think it was a tricky one. Now, what do you think of the inside of Castle Grayskull in this version compared to the original? Because it's this one is a very conflicting style. You've got an old castle with an Egyptian motif inside. Yeah. Whereas the other one is a lot more foreboding. I gotta say, I'm I'm not a fan of of this this take on both the sorceress and interior gray skull. I think it's it's just too Egyptian for my taste. I don't I don't. I'm just I don't understand. I don't think the original design was broken. I don't understand the, the, the need to fix it. I, I think that sorceress was fine the way she was before. She fit in with the other characters and that her her thing was like a bird motif where we had like this fish motif from our man. We had this, you know, um, weapons man and man at arms and then she was like the bird motif. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't prefer it. I would agree there. That's the filmation Castle Grayskull and Sorceress. The Sorceress was a lot more vibrant than this one is. You know, and obviously we see later on, you know, origin and all that kind of stuff and uh, we see the King Grayskull's wife who is like the sorceress and that kind of stuff but it's almost like they've walked in and it's like, oh it's really run down and it's like, hey look, my seat looks has big wings and you know, like an Egyptian motif, you know, like sitting on top of a pyramid, that kind of thing. I don't I don't understand as you know, as James said, I don't understand the mythology behind it. Why a pyramid? Why an Egyptian kind of thing? Why give her an Egyptian headdress? The other one just looked a lot better. Yeah. A mytholo- mythological point of view. And I really, really like the wings because it kind of gives the idea that she's angelic and that that's a force of good and all, all that. But I, I think what would have been nice is if they'd explained why they've done it. Because even King Hiss, he's got an Egyptian thing to him as well. But they just, because it's just randomly plonked there, it, yeah. it really grates stylistically as well. It's just, it, it really brings it out, but at the same time, it's just, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she, I, I, as a designer, I do like the design, and I would like to get her eventually, but I do, I must admit, I do prefer the old sorceress a lot more. I just don't get why she got so much of a change. You know, if you look at the rest of the characters, they're, they're, um, 
they're pretty close to their vintage counterparts. I mean, they're, they've been kind of, I hate to, to say this, but they've been hyper-anime detailed. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's retired, James. That's retired. Come on, move the times, man. Logistically, it had... No. Oh. Um, uh, the, uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's most of these characters are pretty close to what they were before. But she is such a huge departure from what she was before. Yeah. For a main character, you know, and most of the main characters, I'm obviously we're looking at Randor and he's changed a lot, but I wouldn't consider him one of the, the big names. Yeah, but um, it doesn't it, it doesn't strike you that he's really, you know, drastically changed, whereas with the sorcerers, it's like it hits you right in the face. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an insane difference. Well, maybe, maybe they just thought a woman in a bird costume would look silly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Compared to everyone else who's dressed weird. Maybe somebody had walked like an Egyptian in their head that day and just decided, <laughs> I'll just draw that. Well, who knows what goes It's obviously part one that's over with, and then we'll roll on to part two once it's credits. And obviously there was a person who was meant to get a credit in here and didn't, and that was James E. Talk, because he did a lot of work, you know, to do with uh, certain characters, you know, they would ask about Count Marzo, and they give them stuff to do with Count Marzo, and was told, yeah, you'll get a credit, and unfortunately he didn't. Deja vu, it feels like we just watched this opening. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, welcome to episode one, I mean, this is episode two, sir. I've already forgotten all about episode one, so I hope they give me some kind of thing where they tell me what happened. <laughs> yeah, previously on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Okay, the transformation sequence. We just saw that in the, the credits there. Um, I prefer the original transformation sequence. I think this oh, one is bye. too busy. There's just too many movements and, like, what's going on? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you guys prefer, but I prefer original transformation. The, the original, t like, I'm wearing a t-shirt at the minute that has the older He-Man that says by the power of Skull. With the newer one, like obviously we have two different transformations. We have this and then at the last stand we see a dramatic change wherever he, it's almost like Hulk, you know, like you see his body actually change, the harness getting put on him, etc. etc. Et Not that a woman comes over and goes like, oh there you go, um, that just like appears. Um, but the other one just you know, it, it hits you more. Whether it's John Irwin's voice again, you know, that really makes that, but it's just visually that just stands out. And, you know, obviously that's 30 odd years later, you know, it's still one of the most recognized. You know, if you say He Man to somebody, they'll say by the power of Grey Skull, and, you know, like all the lightning going on in the background. And obviously we saw that in. Jimsy Talks book, you know, like the background of the silhouette and then all the lightning with He-Man holding the sword. Um, but I I like this one, but then again, a lot of people say because, you know, it's I have the power! And it goes on for a while, but again, the New Adventures one, just, it go, would go Filmation, this New Adventures. I would agree with that, yeah. I'd put those in that order. Yeah. Dylan? I don't like the by the power of attorney, for sure. I, I like the I like the newer transformation later on, where you know you see everything like his muscles grow and like you see the armor coming on because it just it's more dramatic and it just shows that there's a definite change, you know. Um, I'm not fussed really. I'll be honest, though, though I, you know between the two, it, it doesn't bother me so much. Um, it 
I don't see that much of a difference, and I know that's a bad thing to say, but you know, <laughs> to, to me, it's just like I have the power, and that's that's kind of it, really. It, it, they just subtly updated it. I don't see anything major apart from the battle cap part that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Obviously, we see the snake armor He-Man later on, which is the one He-Man variant I really hope that we get yeah, in a figure form. Definitely, we could have done with that rather than a bunch of He-Man. But yeah, that's probably the only variant well, He-Man I will keep. Really, I, I'd say I love Thunder Punch He-Man. Did I say who went <laughs> whenever I said that? I said Blastomy. Just... <laughs> All right, much sorry. Than... <laughs> 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 sorry, okay. iMac man. <laughs> We're getting into this fight sequence here. Now here is one of my, coming up is one of my biggest problems with the beginning. And that is the speed lines in the background and the twirling swords. Yeah, it's whenever Mechanic does it that it really, really so stands much. out. Oh, it's, yeah. that, 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 it's that Mechanic fight with, I think it's Triclops, isn't it? And, they, yeah. and the They're first one is twirling. Yeah, yeah, it's just like he throws it up and it's like, da -da -da, and then it's like, oh look, I can do this in my head, did you know that now? They're like uh -huh. the baton girls you get in America. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know what you call them officially, but baton girls will do. I'm gonna baton call Baton twirlers? Now on. I don't know what they're called either, but they're baton girls from me from now on. <laughs> you know, email me at victimanapopculturenetwork.com <laughs> and then subject heading baton twirlers. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, so this, this whole sequence could have been much cooler without that. I mean, if you watch this and you... Think about dropping out all those sword, sword spinnings and all these speed lines in the background constantly. I, I think I would enjoy enjoy this sequence much more without them. I don't know if they added all that in just for time, just to eat up a few seconds here and there. They have to keep this one though, because I like all the swirly parts in this. Because Skeletor just looks awesome. If, if it was just him, I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, the but, cape and, it's, and the, 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 like, the floaties. It's the reused part over and over again of whenever. Um, Tila's fighting and the hair yeah. drops down because you mm. see without whenever she's playing some game that looks like they're arm wrestling with Adam and then you see that part and you're like oh that's from the very first part oh it's, it's nostalgia uh, like the filmation you know reuse mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> just getting lazy that's all it was can't be bothered on that use that copy and paste there we go I'm glad they trimmed that stuff in the actual series I, I remember specifically talking to a guy at my comic shop at this premiere, and I said, I really, I thought it was cool, you know, it was nice to see He-Man back. And uh, he's like, ah, I, I couldn't stand it, all that, that swirl twirling, all that stuff in the background, I, it was just, it was too much. And then like, uh, say a month later, I saw him, he's like, oh, that series got a lot better, you know, they trimmed out all that stuff, and now I can actually enjoy it. And you know, it, I, I, I agree, when I, as I watch more and more of the series and that stuff was gone, I'm like, man, I'm really glad that they wised up and went, hey, we don't need all this swirl, swirl twirling all over the place. But isn't that, in some respects, like Power Rangers, whenever they talk, their hands move everywhere. <laughs> my god, we have to go over there. E-Man. <laughs> you got to remember, though, when, when this was made, at the time, it was like Naruto and all, that, oh, it, all the animes yeah. that got imported. And they were like, right, well, they're popular. Let's copy what they do. Yeah. What a great reveal there, getting seen with Skeletor. <laughs> uh, very cool. And I do like that, uh, you, know, you know, I'm a big fan of the 87 movie. I like that they went with sort of a grayish-white face. Yeah. Instead of doing the yellow or something like that, which I love the yellow, I'm not dogging it, but I love the 87 movie and the white skull, so it's really cool to see this animated. And I almost wish that the 2000X figure would have had this face instead of the green and yellow. Yeah, we've had so many different 
faces of Skeletor, not the part pulling that or anything. That's what I like to see. <laughs> yeah, Stratus, that's yeah. On. Obviously, this isn't the first time, folks, that we've heard that Stratus has died. If you watch one of <laughs> James's videos, that Blaze just keeps saying that Stratus died because he didn't have a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all the YouTube comments, R.I.P. Stratus. That was made up. <laughs> this is cool too that they're having Orko and Cringer follow him, so that way, you know, we we get the same thing as before, where we have Orko and Cringer are part of the secret, you know. Um, so it's cool to see them involved from the very beginning, so that there's a reason for, especially Orko, to have the secret, you know, because why would you have Orko as part of the secret unless... <laughs> yeah. Unless it was an accident, you know. <laughs> yeah. There was your roar just a second ago, your dinosaur roar. I don't know, I'm not yeah. sure how I feel about that. He's got this... It makes it more powerful, I think. And then he does that, that, and then that kind of knocks it back a bit, you know. Exactly. Then you hear, I'm going to take out and cut your hair, or something, whatever he Why does he have a whip, though? Why doesn't he have his his weapon that he came packaged with? Because Uh, Beastman... (laughs) Yeah, but that's for your tail. (laughs) That's like, because Beastman has a whip. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to put somebody in the car and crash and go, Oh, you got whiplash. (laughs) Maybe his whip was maybe his whip was sore that day, and or his tail was sore that day, and so he's like, "Well, I, I got this name Whiplash. I can't go into battle without a tail that works. So I'm gonna have to take this whip with me, so I don't look stupid." Okay, this fight, there, Tila doesn't really stand much of a chance here. Yeah, she's not. This is watching we watching the old filmation with uh, Tila and Evil and Joint Forces. And yeah, they're, they're they're balanced. They're on par almost. Here, yeah. Tila, Evelyn doesn't even seem to be Tila's counterpart anymore. You know, which That's I think exactly. is a shame. Cause I like where Merman gets his sword from, his belt. Yeah, that was really yeah, that's cool. really cool. I, I love the tying in the belt design and the sword design. And I like Man- Manny Face's transforming weapon. I think that's kind of cool. How yeah. his face is kind of changing. It is a cool sword as well. Yeah. And I like how they, they did his design too with the. I mean, the this is kind of hit. the last. Oh, here we go. go. Oh God! Oh, what is that <laughs> flip? What are you doing? Are you falling? I don't know. What? That is an odd flip. Why would you do a tombstone very strange. flip? Baton girl. See, Tricops wouldn't stand for this. I mean, he would just blast him with his eye or something. Yeah. It would be, he wouldn't stand here doing all this. I think it's just I'm a better twirler than you kind of thing. Yeah. It's time to go clubbing. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Wow, you really threw that high. Wow, yeah. you're so much better than me at front. Oh, you caught it. Oh, no. Oh, you oh. got me. I was too busy looking at the twirling. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose at least they made a use for his extending neck rather than just, you know, yeah. observation. And what do we think of Stratos's jetpack and all that kind of shenanigans? I like it. Give him I... something a little extra. Well, Bond normally did have gadgets, so it does make sense, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> Hugh made it for him. Uh, <laughs> I-, I like his. I mean, he had a jetpack in the original. He just didn't have those hand things, the little button yeah. thing in his hand. Um, I don't know if if he really needs the button things in his hands, but it's cool to see him actually being used. As opposed to just kind of flying around without them doing anything. Oh, Cough, I'll give Tricoff the... Or Trapjaw, 
Yeah, they really it amped up evil ends. I love it. Static. This is how she should yeah. be. She kicks everyone's ass. Yeah. She made a nuclear explosion. <laughs> it's it's almost like how are they? You know, how were they able to... Evelyn, obviously, back then, wasn't really a part of the team, and Keldor was just Keldor at this point. But still, they're just getting destroyed, the mm. heroes are, you know? It's like, how did they ever beat these guys? It's kind of a case of everyone has had, you know, like, there was Z-Man arms, you know, throwing Merman down, but Evelyn seems to be the only one he hasn't been yeah. touched, so to speak. She, they don't really... Skeletor doesn't need anybody but Evelyn, really. Exa that's what I'm... Yeah, exactly. Like, Skeletor, once Evelyn's there, it's... It's over, man. I mean, without she might have been they're, slightly they're then. Yeah. Because I mean, what I would have liked, she did that, and then she was weakened for a bit. Just said that she was yeah. an enormous amount of power use, so she has to like chill out while they protect her, kind of thing. But deer nails or something. Look, Gaff, <laughs> he's running. Look at this Gaff. He has no gloves on. He's like all flesh. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're back. They're back. I've just realised you're further ahead than I am. Am I? You, 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 you guys are just slightly ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's alright, we'll just spoil the rest for you. Damn you. Yeah. He's walking. He comes he Stop. <laughs> King has made an appearance. Oh, he's at the sorceress. This I, I, I'm going to go back to the filmation bible thing again here. This sequence here is is in there too, where it, where I mean I'm I'm not this far ahead of you, Dylan. I'm just talking ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> but they're talking about how like they move the stones and then they go beneath and there's this whole like crystal cavern thing underneath there and it's all in there and it's like man they they really like even like the scenes are the same. And then they, they changed a lot because they got rid of the Infinita and Fifth Beast Man and all that stuff and changed the villains entirely. But like the He-Man origin is. It, like even the scenery is the same in some aspects. Whoa! What the hell? It's like a place like a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dalek Sawyer. I have no idea what's going. I have no idea what's going on. Somebody's phone going off. What happened? What happened? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Is it me or is it James? I didn't do. I didn't do anything. What did I, I just moved, and then all I heard was his reverb. Yeah. Well, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything. You're creeping me out a little bit now. <laughs> What's, going What's going on? What's going on? I have no idea. Is it dying, dying? It's going to stop. Oh. I'm not hearing I'm not anything. anything. Alright, hold on a minute. See if I can cut the games off. The games are going to disconnect you to see if it's you. Okay. okay. Yes, James. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was just me who could hear that or if you could as well, so... Right, hold on two seconds. I'll phone him back and see. Do you want to pause the thing now, or...? Uh, well, he's... Oh, that's better. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was you. Wow, what did I do? I don't know, iMac man. But anyway, <laughs> let's carry on. Sorry about that, folks. Hmm? Be good. We, we don't need to rewind. <laughs> no, no. He got sent to despond us for a while. Don't worry. What happened? Did you hear what I said? Where where did you lose me at? Uh, uh sounds like a TARDIS. Most of it. I was gonna go. Hello, doctor. No, I was talking about how the castle was like a TARDIS, where it's like oh, oh okay. on the inside, then the outside. 
Oh, and then that noise came on like a TARDIS? Yeah, that was weird. <gasps> we planned that, folks. We planned that. the doctor. That. <laughs> he like me talking about it. You yeah. sound like Dalek Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, although uh, James's plot lines make more sense than Doctor Who at this po- moment in time, so. And here, obviously, we see how Prince Adam is. Oh, you're shielding your eyes? I'll just look down here anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm going to fall far. Anyway. If there was one, just. Well, I'll wait until after um, we see him get the sword, or does he get the sword? Who knows? Um. I do like the fact that, as you say, James, you know, like, it's a lot deeper down there, but obviously we see how he actually gets the sword rather than just, yeah, this guy was called He-Man, and that's basically all you know, whereas we see how an ancestor of his, which, of course, some people love, some people hate, you know, the more might of the Master Universe 2000 X world was uh, King Grayskull, so... I, I like the fact as well that it's, uh, yeah, it, uh, obviously it'll be a lot easier as He-Man, but how does he know what he has to say? That's one thing I've always wanted mm, to know maybe, whenever he's got the sword. Maybe when he holds the sword it tells him, I don't know. You're going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get bigger. Oh no, by the power of Grace gone instead. <laughs> uh, what I'm curious is, is that, you know, well, I, I guess it's because... You know, he hasn't tapped in. It's just full of the power right now and hasn't tapped into it. But during the series, the sword then changes when he's at him. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a different kind of shape at the bottom and almost seems smaller, you know. Um, but here it's... Because it like, it like flips round. Kind yeah, of, exactly. Like, uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of different. It's pointing down, little things are. And I guess that has to do with, you know, when he's not... Now that he's activated or whatever, it, it'll now change when he gives up the power. And right now it's filled with the power. Oh. What would have happened to Orko if he had chosen Orko and something? <laughs> that would have been, awesome. been amazing. <laughs> He'd have had a saddle and like a red mask. And he'd it would have just been around. like a big parachute. <laughs> like, go, I hold on you, you fly. Yeah. If Gringer wouldn't have came with him, that's, he'd have been stuck with him. He'd have had Orko as a companion. Battle Orko. No. <laughs> Don't give Mattel ideas, player. James. I might have to draw Battle Orko now. I have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the same helmet, we'll give Orko saber teeth through his little mask. Yeah, he just had that big red mask and like that saddle on, and nobody will know it's Orko. <laughs> yeah, Orko gets unmasked. You see, that's why they don't know. Battle Orko. We have a friend named Orko. He looks kind of <laughs> like you, but it can't possibly be you because he doesn't have. That's a red Orko. Sab- with, that's Orko with a K. I'm Orko with a C. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I see. <laughs> Oh, of course, here we see the lovely <laughs> background. Now, do you like the new look battle cap? Uh, I am not a fan of new look I was not a fan of the um, the figures, you know, the way it was like battle cap that had like, oh, the missiles and everything. Samurai, no, oh, samurai, yeah. no, like yeah. samurai man at arms was hard enough, let alone samurai battle cap and samurai raptor and, you know, basically samurai chest or whatever um, but yeah the, I prefer the original battle cut I prefer Cringer in this but I prefer battle cut in the formation I would have liked the saber teeth though I do like the saber teeth on him I, the thing I'm, I'm not a fan of and, and I'm trying to just kind of base this off the cartoon is that the, the original Battle Cat, you, you know, could could come right out of, like, a barbarian tale or something like that, you know, because he's mm-hmm. from that original part of the line when it wasn't so much techno stuff. 
Um, and this is like totally technoed out. I mean, he's got all these like lines and etchings in the the saddle, and he's got these like claw covering things that have lines in them, and he's got the, the little tiny fitted mask that has all the lines in it. And it's just it's too much, you know. I, I like the big clunky mask and the the pointiness to it that comes down on the sides and it comes over the nose, and it's just uh, I don't know. He just looks more like. Like he what fits about, that original concept. What had. about Grayskull's cut? Is that like even more of a departure for you? It is. I, I it, but it, you know, Grayskull doesn't really matter to me that much. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> more mice. He can have whatever cat he <laughs> wants. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I would. You know what I would have liked though is if Battle Cat could talk, because that would have been a nice bigger change as well. It's like he can't talk as cringy, but as soon as he's Battle Cat, he can talk and he can, you know. It just makes it more interesting. That's how it's set up in the Filmation Bible, is that Cringer doesn't talk, but when he gets the power of, of you know, gets imbued with the power of Grayskull, he does talk. And if I remember right, in that one Filmation cartoon where it talks about sort of his origin, Cringer does not talk throughout that... Yeah, he doesn't talk until he sees Adam, yeah. until he sees Adam transform, and he goes, Adam, he goes like Cringer, and then yeah. he points the sword and then transforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Exactly. So it's, it's kind of like almost that the power would awaken that pa ability in him or whatever. So it would have been cool to see that happen in here, too. At least Battle yeah. Cat. Um, I don't know. I, I like Battle, ta Battle Cat talking. I think it's... The point I was going to make earlier on was obviously we've done a lot of comparisons between this and Filmation. James, which for you is the character that has developed and improved both look-wise and everything the most in this from the Filmation that you particularly liked? It's, it's got to be King Randor. I mean, it's... King Randor was really... I, I like King Randor in the original Filmation show. I think he's he's a, a cool character. But again, he's not really, like like Dylan had said earlier, not really proactive. He, there's I think there's only that time in Let's Secret of the Sword where he says, gather the troops, we'll level Snake Mountain or whatever. But he really doesn't do anything. And I think everybody that was there was kind of like, really, King Randor? We're not going to do that. You're just going to sit back down. Um, <laughs> I stood up now. I sat yeah, down and go away. You know what? I, I, I haven't seen my daughter in so long. Not that big of a deal. I just saw her for a day. She can go ahead and go. Uh, but it's in this, you know, he really is proactive, and he's out there fighting. And you know, there's it it's shows that the the lineage or whatever of that the House of Randor really did mean something. It was just wasn't just yeah. giving it, getting it again and again. Um, so I like that him becoming captain and a king and all that stuff was was pretty cool. I, I liked that. Um, so for for me, for sure, he is the most improved character in the series. Dylan. Uh, Skeletor for me, um, mainly because they've actually made him somebody who's, who can actually do something rather than just run away or find the nearest portal to escape to. Um, mm -hmm. That, and I prefer the voice. Uh, I, know, I like the fact he can use swords. You know, to, to me, this Skeletor is actually evil, and he can do something. Um, and I think that makes the series better, because it's like, now I'm, now I'm concerned what would happen if Skeletor ruled. I mean, in the filmation, the problem was Skeletor was always upstaged by the other baddies because they were actually better. You know, like, they... they, mm. they, they well, there was more impending doom with them, whereas the Skeletor, you, you could always rely on him to fail. And, you know, it's... I don't, I don't know. I, I, do, I, think, I just like the fact he's got more of a black story now. He's fleshed out. You understand why he hates certain things, what he wants. And, you know, he feels like he should rule. So, I, I, I like I like the villains just have a reason to do stuff. Sorry. Sorry, I just saw a fish. No, I said saw a fish. So. <laughs> oh, I thought it was me. 
Yes. I no. can keep the perspective on that, I, uh, on Skeletor. I, I, you know, for me, as much as I love the Filmation Skeletor and the Filmation series and all, it is a kid's show, you know, and so the it, it is played more for, for children, um, and so the villains the kind of had to lose. Well. What's that? This is a kid's show as well, though, technically. Yeah, but it's a different time. It was made a different time where mm, cartoons... True. Were, they were thinking about the adults and the teenage market a lot more than they were back then. You know, it was more, yeah. we're making this for kids, you know, and, and we've got to make it so that the villains always lose, the bad guys. And, and they've talked about these commentaries where the, the guys working at Filmation were saying, can we, can we have this guy win one every once in a while? And it was like, no, 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 we can't do that. The villains can't win. Um, but for me, my, my, my favorite take of Skeletor is the 87, film, the 87 movie Skeletor. So... I'd already seen Skeletor do these things in that movie, and I always think back to mm-hmm. that Skeletor. So for me, this Skeletor wasn't that far departure from what I'd already thought of Skeletor being. So in that aspect, I, I, I can see what you're saying, but it, for me it's not the same thing, because it's just that 87, we saw him do it in the 87 movie, and so it's like, that's what Skeletor is for me. Yeah. I think I would have to say that, obviously Count Marzo for obvious reasons, but... You know, like after you watch the first three parts, would definitely be Tricops because mm. he just—he seems to be in it more. And you know, obviously, there's that one where he, where he makes the the um, the little monsters that um, break into two, and then Skeletor says, "Yeah, that's pathetic." And then he goes out and tries to take over the palace by himself. And you know, you see a lot of them that think they can do that by themselves, but. The character seems to have a lot more development, a lot more character in it than it did in the Filmation one. Like, I can't rem- remember too many episodes that featured Triclops heavily. Like, yeah. obviously, I know he was in, yeah. like, the Damn Red Disappearance oh. and in Secret of the Sword, whenever you saw him walking along with um, Shira's sword in his back. And What are you going to say, Dylan? I just heard, so, oh. My, my, my TV just turned itself off. It's turned itself back on again now. Oh, oh, that's, that's okay. Good. I told I told you, you you know, like uh, we would have like either electrical failures, we've had <laughs> electrical interference, and now electrical shutdown. So, um, yeah, so that that for me would be the character that I particularly enjoyed in this. But obviously, Count Marzo because he was just bad badass and just looked, you know, like a far departure from his Eddie Monster getup in the <laughs> Filmation one. So. Oh, now see, I love now, I love Filmation Count Marzo, but I, wow. you know, I I can see you. Oh, Filmation Count Mars was awesome. <laughs> He's got black roses. Come on. Um, yeah, and kidnapped the children. <laughs> Mechanic, where's my kids. son? Come on. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I see your point on Triclops, is that he was pretty underdeveloped in the Filmation series. But, you know, I, I wish they had gone a different route on him. I, I always kind of think of a good take for this, this cartoon would have been to do Trapjaw as the techie guy. Because he's got all these weaponry and his arms changing. He's always kind of working on himself. Um... Mm. And do the Triclops more like Triclops, a Triclops is a glorified Ben Hooker. Because obviously he goes and finds Faker, <laughs> you know, like yeah, Ben, and then, you know, like, as we've discussed in the bios, it was just like whether he had, like, a mustache, and we're like, oh, yeah, just here to empty the bins. You yeah. know, like, oh, there's a robot. I'm yeah, going to take that the, and make that blue. He's got the visor on still with just, like, that mustache. It, don't mind him. <laughs> yeah. He's like Sanford and Son with the truck driving around. He's picking up stuff and throwing it in the back. Um, but no, I, I would have preferred him more to, like, the, the character in the mini-comics, where he's just, like, this dude, you know, this warrior guy, and he, he kind of gets just, he kind of works with Skeletor, but he doesn't really work with Skeletor, he kind of is doing his own thing, um, 
instead of just like kind of mercenary kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I would. I, I, he kind of just got relegated to the techie guy, um, which I don't know if fit the character quite as well. I, I mean, he's like a swordsman, and he could have been like almost like plotting against Skeletor and having his own faction type thing going on. They could have gone a different route, I think, and it may have worked better. But it, it was. I agree with you that it was good to see him as more of a main character than he was in the Filmation series. Yeah, I, d- I do like the fact that it wasn't a case of not the, you know, uh, go against Transformers, but obviously in Transformers, it'd be like, you know, you'd be watching an episode and then there'd be three new Transformers who you have no idea who they are, <laughs> yeah. whereas in this, you know, like there's characters that appear, like yeah. Cyclone, like too bad, but you get an origin story, you get a purpose as to why they're there, yeah. or why they're And obviously there's a phrase coming up here that James will probably... <laughs> A big tirade on which will probably last longer than three episodes put together. I'm gonna try. Um, I go crazy on it. I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Dylan Lads will be quiet whenever he says that line. So, um, but yeah, it's just a case of whenever we saw a character appear, like um, Marzo or like Evil Seed or whatever, you knew why they were there and they give you a bit of story as to why they were there. You know, um, that kind of thing. But. Um, I like that, and the more continuity in this than obviously there was pretty much not existent in the formation cartoon. I agree. Yeah. I mean, totally. the, the only thing I, I... I mean, this is a bugbear for me about the 2008 series, uh, is that there's no sense of scale in it at all. You can get from... Oh, here, here we go. Here we go. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <sighs> Be needing this any yeah. Masters of the Universe. Oh, that's just whenever Fine. I hear that, that's all I can think of is James is going, Masters of the Universe. Why would he do that? I would just be like, he's, he's just, they're, they're probably like, wow, you, you kind of gave us a little too much credit, because we were pretty much done until you showed up. Yeah. And now we're the best. And then He-Man rides off. Yeah. Oh no, I got hit by a fish. Yeah. Oh, brilliant Masters of the Universe, well done. Yeah. He's the master of getting eaten by a fish. Can, can I ignore the rest of the episode now the fish is in it? I, I totally agree, man. It's like, it totally, this just checks you out. The giant yeah. fish once this did not need to be in here. It really feels like this was meant to be a two-parter. And they added in all this fish stuff and the twirling and all that stuff to extend it to three parts, which is possible. I mean, it, it could have happened that way, but the fish but thing. What? Is just what? Like, why did it have to be a fish? Why couldn't it have been that Evelyn did some magic and Merman and Whiplash ran off with Man at Arms and took him to Snake Mountain, where Tila goes after and tries to rescue him? Yeah. Yeah. Because you haven't really, you haven't really seen that much of Snake Mountain, so why not do something there? Uh, um, no, the, the, what I was saying before was just that there's no scale with this for, in, in the 2000X series. You can get to A to B in a matter of seconds. Yeah. There doesn't. Yeah, it's like the Eternian Forest is like it's really not a forest. It's more like an Eternia woodland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if it were true, they'd be knackered running from the forest all the way to those badland plains, you know. But no, they're just they're all right. I mean, look, He-Man's already near his father, and that hasn't taken long. It's uh, that was that was one of the only issues I had with it. It's just it, it doesn't feel dramatic enough with it. That fish again. Here, this um, merman's voice. It reminds me of, every time I hear it. I don't know why, but all I can think of is French Stewart from like Third Rock from the Sun. 
Like, I, I, I don't know why, but when I hear his voice, especially when he says, like, oh, baby needs his growing food, and I'm only thinking of, like, French Stewart doing that voice. Like, I, I, so I hope that ruins it. He's the guy in that he kind of looks like he has his eyes closed. Exactly. Oh, yes, I know who you mean. I know who you mean there. Yeah. I just couldn't put a name, but I thought as soon as he did that voice, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. <laughs> Well, I hope that forever listen to this. I hope that ruins Merman in this cartoon for you. I hope it you has. can no longer think of anything but French Stewart when you hear that voice. So we've got Leonardo, we've got He-Man from Parallel yeah. Universe, and now we've got somebody from Third Rock under the sun. It's not even French Stewart doing the voice, and it really doesn't sound that much like it, but it sounds enough like it to me that that's all I can think of now. So sorry. Sorry, French that Stewart. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll associate Merman with this fish, so we might as well just associate him with something else bad. <laughs> you got to admit, what is nice is this is the one time you actually see Merman do anything in the 2002. Yeah. After that, he's just, right, let's turn into stone and kill him. Let's just yeah. Yeah. Like, ignore him. You know, they, they, they really just... They Merman seems him. to be the water gopher. A bit like, oh, I have to go and get this, or I have to go and get that. Because yeah. obviously the next time we see him is in the deep end, wherever um, they get, like, the crystal and it makes that fish go bigger and you're like I'm just so glad see if Mattel released that as a playset or something stupid like that yeah you're getting Granomir next year folks you're getting this fish from 2000X cartoon they are brilliant you're making the fish they can keep well, it it's, it's kind of like the limitation of the character too it's like you know he's the fish guy he's in water that's his he's element you know yeah, yeah so nobody likes Ackman really put everything else into that element and make it work you know you can't have He-Man underwater having a battle with him, you know, and make it really work in animation. Um, even the fish, they added wings to it, so it could fly, so he's not in the water with this giant fish. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's kind of, I guess, an inability for the writers to make that character work like he should. So they had to. Although, put him on although a I haven't fish. said that, Merman is a terrific figure in the Master Universe class. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for being so early on and being so great, it's just, man, they yeah. they destroyed on that figure. He's just so good. Yeah. This is the only time we see Panther and Battlecat kind of go at it yeah, as well. Very much like, yeah, very much like the Filmation cartoon. You saw it again in the Diamond Ray of Disappearance, and then that was it. Panther is an underused character, though. Yeah. I like Panther. So, so do you prefer Panther to Battlecat? Oh, every time. <laughs> He's a bad guy, of course I do. <laughs> It's been a while since I've watched this, but at no point in this do they mention the Keldor-Randor brother thing, right? If no, I'm they, they don't mention No, they do. Yeah. They, really? Not in this, but they do in the last stand whenever he yeah, says oh, Adam. Stand, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he says he like... Yeah. He alludes to it, oh, but you're right, not... Yeah. He, he, he says like... like say, you, you're, like, you're like your father taking what you should have, but that's all exactly, he says. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't blatantly say it, especially in this beginning sequence, they don't blatantly say it, you know? So you, you if you came into this fresh, yeah. you don't... You it would don't. have been better, like, whenever you see Skeletor, and he goes like, Oh, He-Man, I lied! And then he does that, he goes, he should have went like, So long, brother! And yeah. then just fired at him, and then... Take I it off swore, and went, <gasps> I swore you then could say, a, I am your uncle, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Spaceballs. I am your second cousin. Yeah, right. No, it's thumbboards. It's thumbboards. On your sister's side. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, but yeah, if you came into this fresh, if you hadn't really been a part of the fandom or you don't have that original mini-comic or whatever, you don't know as you watch this that Keldor and Randor are brothers. It's just... No. 
it's left totally out, which kind of, I don't know, I think they may have lost an opportunity there, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of make it a little more dramatic, especially for Randor. Um, well, you remember when it got cancelled? Oh, sorry, Chris. Uh, no, go on, go on. Well, when it got cancelled, there was that interview on the org with Ian Richter, and then he confirmed that they were brothers and they were going to make more of about it in season three. Yeah. But they just never got around to it. So I think that's the only reason people got the idea that he's the brother, because, you know. And it's just kind of gone on from there, and then the, then the new bios have just added to that. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is that maybe people who have bought the figures and maybe didn't realise that this series existed, were maybe just, you know, like very much in the... Uh, the right, you've got the figures, you've got the vintage figures, you've got the filmation cartoon, maybe didn't know that this existed, and then... <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, I know that uh, in the bios that they're, you know, brothers. Is that happening here or, or what? Are you surprised, by the way, that this didn't last another couple of series? Um, well, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. You can take it first. Oh, well, I, it's the thing. You know, when it came out, I was gutted, and then now I rewatch it, I can see, I can see why. You know, there's. It, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, I can't really explain what it is. It's just I, I won't rewatch it, and I don't think it's as well written as when, or as awesome as when I um, first watched it. Because at the time when I was watching it, it was like, oh look, they've just shown Cobra Khan. Oh look, you know, it was a lot of like, wow, yeah. you know, nostalgic reveals being redone. And now that that's all over, it's um, some of the episodes. Actually, a few of the episodes I just don't bother watching. Are there any like, yeah, few that I will go back to? Yeah. It's a kind of a case of the coin phrase from Mattel. You cherry pick what um, <laughs> yeah. episodes you want to watch. You don't want to watch the deep end. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You may not want. You may want to watch the monster within, but you don't want to watch Orko's Garden or Buzz Off's Pride yeah. because they're awful. It, 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 James, what? what about you? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I I kind of agree here that you know rewatching some of them, it's like. Maybe it was a little bit of excitement, you know, that I was kind of overlooking some things then that I'm kind of seeing more now. Whereas, you know, I, I go back and look at Filmation, some of the episodes I haven't watched since I was a kid, and I'm like, I, I see things in there that I'm like, oh, man, that, that was really cool. Or, hey, that, that looks really, really good. Um, see, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, it's tough to say. I think plus a lot of things has to do with the toy line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you need a successful toy line for a cartoon to survive, too. Um, it goes both ways. So when the toy line kind of started piling up because of Mattel's horrible case packs, um, <laughs> and kids just weren't interested in having He-Man and Skeletor 15 times, it it had to it had to hurt the cartoon too. I mean, it had to go both ways. Um, do you, do you both think? Is a yes or no answer? Do you think that the new Thundercats series has learned from the mistakes that this has made? Yes. Uh, I would say yes too. I, I would say yes too. I, I haven't watched every episode of the new Thundercats yet. I've watched a few of them. And I really enjoyed it so far. Um, and the, the toy line seems to be selling really well already. And it's not all Lion-O. It's not all yeah. Lion-O and Mumra right off the bat. I think one of the reasons uh, this goes back to you know, the original why didn't why didn't do so well. You look at Thundercats, and then you look at the stuff that was on during this time, like Avatar, The Last Bender, Ben 10, those, all those stories have an ongoing storyline. There's a point to it. They have to do something and it affects everything. With the He-Man, that wasn't there. there not until King Hiss arrived. And there, I think it was too little too late. And I think kids like to follow, 
well, I can't. I don't really want to speak for them, but you know, they want to follow a story arc, and that wasn't there with this series. Yeah, that, that's another thing where you you go back to the that Keldor Randor thing. If you explored that more, um, I mean, again, the only people that knew anything that was going on were the people that read that vintage mini comic and knew that yeah. Keldor and Randor were brothers. Um, had they maybe explored that a little more, where Keldor is coming back and he's going to take over and and tie in these threads where Randor is trying to turn him back, or you know, do something that kind of has a a, a little more meat to the story and that you can carry over into multiple episodes. Um, yeah, I, I think a continuing story could have definitely helped this a lot. I mean, you like I said, look, Avatar the Last Airbender. He, the whole point was he has to go stop the Fire Lord, but in between he meets other people, that kind of thing. And they so could have done this with with He-Man and still met other characters rather than what feel, you know, like they always say, it feels like Annette said is a toy commercial. Yeah. This oh, this series this series is way more guilty of the toy commercials than uh, a lot of people will say oh the original He-Man that's just the thing to sell toys but you look back at the original He-Man and there's I don't really think of an instance in that original filmation cartoon where it blatantly jumped out at me like oh well they're selling that toy yeah Yeah. like whenever in this whenever he gets like his battle armor and stuff like that and obviously Mm. the snake armor and you know I made dragon walkers you know it's like yeah that whole thing yeah. Hey, look at us! We're, we're, we've got Snake Man badges. That means we're different colors. Yay! <laughs> yeah. What's this? Oh, it's my fashion beetle. You know, it's like uh, it's. Uh, oh, come on, guys. Um, which is kind of strange to see. You know, when when like we talked about before that they were kind of maybe thinking more about the the older audience when they made this to see it kind of turn into a toy commercial in, in so many aspects to sell toys to kids. It's like, wow, it, don't you, you're, you're kind of playing this dark side to get this older audience, but at the same time, you're throwing in these toy commercials. It's like you, mm-hmm. you want it both ways. You want to play it mm-hmm. as a toy commercial, but you want to play it as something for adults. It's, it's kind of weird. But it's very much like, you know, obviously the vintage figures that got a commemorative series. I don't think you'll ever get that with a 2000 X. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't well, see that coming. I think it's, it's, way, you know, it's way too soon, but it's like a lot of people now are saying, oh, can, why can't we have a new cartoon? And again, I think it's way too soon. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's you know, Thundercats has had what years? Is it like twenty years or something since then? But this is what 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 will it be now? Like um, ten, yeah, nearly ten years. Yeah. It's still very fresh in the minds of people. So, so and people are still wanting this series to continue. They're they're like, oh, yeah. can we have movies that continue the two thousand X storyline? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it's like, yeah, you know, let's just wait a little while. Let's try something fresh. You yeah. know. There's a re- I hate to say it, but there's certain reasons why this ended, you know? And so if we went back right to it and did it the exact same way, just like people that clamored for, oh, let's, let's not do the, the classics line, let's just continue the 2000X line, there's a reason why things ended, you know? I, I mean, I hate to, to dog a 2000X fan or say, you know, uh, you shouldn't have it your way, but it has to evolve and it has to change. So we can't yeah. just do this again. We, you've got to give it time to have... To be fresh again and, and change, well, and be something. Well, look how look how long it's been. Like obviously, James, you're very passionate about the mini comics. So mm-hmm. obviously, look how long it's been before we're actually going to get a new comic that yeah. follows on from you know the one that we've been talking about earlier on. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's it's cool to see that again, and it is exciting for everybody because it's been so long, and it. It, I don't think it would be like Dylan said. It's exciting to have uh, you know this this come back again, and, and you know a, a, after such a short time, ten years, here it is. We have it again. It would just be too soon. It, it's you don't even have a new generation yet, really. 
But oh. then again, you know, we say this. I just thought Transformers goes through a new generation every few oh. years. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it works for them though. And that's the only reason Transformers has kept going for so long is because Hasbro wouldn't let it die. You know? Yeah. But when that, they that's a very good it, point. Yeah, that's surprising that they do that. Well, and, and yet they've got GI Joe, and they don't do anything with that. Really, well, I mean, you got Renegades. That not too long. Yeah, ago. that well, one. But the, what, the reason Transformers has done it so well, well, ish, is because every new series, it's a total reinvention. You had Beast Wars. Now you've got Transformers Prime. You have Transformers Animated. And each one has been so different. Could you do but, that with He-Man without annoying the fans? And that's, I think, that's the problem for Mattel. What can they do? But well, could that be said because Hasbro care about Transformers, whereas, you know, with the toy line, Mattel have said, you know, like, this isn't one that we're going to invest a lot of money in, because, you know, like, it's like a budget line, you know, we reuse parts, but we do this, whereas, you know, maybe Hasbro is like, right, Transformers really sells, Here, here's so much money, go make it work, put it in retail, etc., whereas with Masters, it's kind of a case of, okay, you need to buy a subscription. Uh, we're not yeah. saying that you need to, but you kind of need to if you want to get this figure because it's like the lowest run that's ever been made and all this here. And then it's a case of, oh, we can't let you pick and choose what figures you want and what figures you don't want. We can't add stuff to the subscription. Oh, but we can add these uh, 30 year anniversary figures on um, to your subscription as well. So you can put them in or you can just go and buy them if you want. So. <laughs> just Somebody's like, got on a soapbox. <laughs> yeah, just, there's... There's just so many... I don't know whether Hasbro sends out so many mixed messages like Mattel do, and maybe that was evident with the 2000X line. Well, it's also a thing of... Oh, sorry, you had done You know, for instance, uh, Hasbro did that Matt Tracker figure with G.I. Joe. Totally different thing, but it, they made it part of their universe, and yet Mattel are so... They don't want to do stuff like that. They don't want to put, like, for instance, Brave Star in. You know, they own Brave Star. Why? You know, they... The they should do the Nintendo Power Glove because they made that <laughs> so many years ago. Put that for the Wii. There you go. <laughs> the thing about Transformers too that you brought up um, is that each one has has been successful. It seems like yeah. each reinvention and each take of it has has sold great, and they've all been successful. Whereas we look back at He-Man, and we had the original filmation success. The '87 movie, although I love it, and I don't think people should dog it as much as they do. Um, wasn't financially successful. Mm. Um, and then you had the New Adventures, which was not a success. The 2000X series, which, as much as some fans love it and everything, I, I think you can say that it was not a success. So it's, it seems like they keep trotting out He-Man in these different mediums, and it's not a success. Um, the, the Marvel Star series of comics, not a success. It's just all these things that weren't a success. So I can see in some regards that they don't treat it like they do Transformers, because they look back at the track record and go... And we, we put this out in all these different mediums, and it wasn't a success. So, do we really want to take a, an irony, though, yeah. of sorry, What's that? It's an, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, James. It's just an irony that Mattel's major thing was He-Man. It's oversold every Christmas for years, and then suddenly that was it. It just yeah. faded. And now they exactly. just lost complete confidence because they couldn't do anything with it. They didn't know yep. what to do. And, yeah, they tried He-Man in space because space was big, but... Nobody cared at that point, and that, I think the marketing guys just lost confidence completely. Well, you, you move away from that original formula, too, which I, I, we've never seen, really, other than maybe the, the DC three-part miniseries. The original formula of He-Man, where he's like sort of this barbarian sword and sorcery thing, but it's also got this techno aspect to it. Yeah. Um, 
you kind of uh, lose that in each one of those incarnations, you know? Um, and so they, they keep moving further and further away from the original formula and all these different things, and they go, well, why, that, why didn't that work? Why didn't that work? And it's like, well, it's because you're moving away from your original thing so much. <clears throat> why don't you give that a shot and then see if it works and then go from there? I mean, it's I would love to, say, to see a cartoon like that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is now Conan's flopped, apparently, I've heard. Yeah. So that's going to put a lot of people off doing anything sword and sorcery strictly now. Where uh, then yeah, you've got Game of Thrones, which has done really, really well. So there's a part of me that hopes they're not going to just cheapen out and try and regurgitate what they've done before. I want them to try something new. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those fans who likes new things. Uh, you know, I like the 30th anniversary characters. I like that they're trying different things. I want more stuff. You know, I'm, I, I don't... And that's, I think this is the hurdle Mattel's going to have to get over. You can't please the fans. Yeah. You know, do what you, you can please some of them, but not yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. You, no one's ever going to be happy. So, you know, try and do something new, and you know, rejuvenate interest in the current generation who you are actually making toys for. Keep the MOTC line for the ki- uh, for the kids for us. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we want that. But for <laughs> <laughs> sorry, if you're going to do a new version, do it. You know, try something different. And I think they'll, you know, if they look at what's popular now, they'll try and see what kids are into. I'm a little worried about that, though, trying to look at what's popular now and kind of basing it off of that, because it seems like that's what they've tried to do with these other incarnations. Like, at the time New Adventures came out, space stuff and sci-fi blasters and everything like that was, was the rage. Um, so they tried to glom onto that and throw in He-Man into that aspect, and it didn't work. Uh-huh. When this cartoon came out, like you said earlier, it was all about the last airbender and that kind of thing, and yeah. they tried to match this animation to fit that, and it didn't work. It's It's... I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree that you know you've got to play on what the kids like nowadays. But I hate to see it alter the core of what He-Man is. I mean, I've got two kids right now that yeah. love He-Man, and it's it's because they love those original concepts, and they love that even the the filmation cartoon, even though it's changed from that original concept somewhat. Um, they like the whole. I got a guy with an axe fighting a guy with a blaster gun, and it's like. That stuff shouldn't make sense together, but it does in this world, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's the thing with kids, though, is that they do merge stuff. I mean, my mate's kid was talking to me randomly. He was going, "Oh, this samurai's got robot arms." He's he's never seen He-Man in his life, by the way. And wow. it was just stuff like that. He was making stuff up like that on the spot. They love merging stuff. Yeah. And it, I actually, after that, I showed him my He-Man things. He says, "Oh, I want them." And you can't have them, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah. You know. Like, no, don't touch them. You'll break, them. <laughs> You'll break it. Get off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand where you're both coming from. You know, like it's it's a case of whether they change with the times, but whether they can actually do it correct. You know, whether yeah. they do a film that, you know, like you get, you know, like so many hit movies. You know, like say it's Transformers or whatever. Whether they try and put something in there that kind of looks like that, whether they use CGI correctly, whether it looks like it's just been here. Well, we go with Digital River. So here, that guy over there, he says he'll give us an ad for such and such, and it looks like somebody's done it, like Photoshop or whatever, or you know, like it just you'll watch it and you go, that just doesn't look right. As long as it has the Master Universe feel to it yeah that's what's more important about it is that you need to have the core characters there but you need to like doctor who for example you need to establish the heritage that has come before it you need to 
like certain like we've watched there and there's a certain nod to a filmation you know character or whatever you need to make sure that that is part of it very much like the classics line you know like obviously without a vintage line they wouldn't have that to kind of go off so why not go off the film why not even do a new cartoon in the kind of filmation style why don't do something like that yeah, I, I, I think I think we're all on the same page where we would like the concept to stay the same. You know, the concepts are great. If if you want to kind of put in elements from nowadays that the kids like and that are popular nowadays, don't compromise that original concept mm. at the cost of, of doing making it work for today's audiences and kids and, and make them interested in stuff. Put stuff in there that they like, but there's a reason this was a, a success to begin with. Um, there's a reason why this was the biggest thing Mattel had ever had at the point. Is because it was a great concept, and it was it was putting everything together and making it work. Don't lose that, like what they did in New Adventures, where they kind of lost that to to tie in the, the the space element and things like that. And in the 2000s cartoon, where they they spent a lot of time, especially in this like beginning that we just watched with the twirling and the speed lines and all these different things to kind of make it work for kids now. Yeah. And you're it, it's jarring when you see that kind of thing, and it's like, oh whoa, they put that in there just to put that in there because kids like yeah. it nowadays. So anytime yeah, you get that, it's lost. Yeah, because obviously, with, as we've talked about, Thundercats and obviously, you know, like Turtles is going to be making a comeback. So whether that's successful or not, and, and you know, like that's unf- unfortunately, example though, isn't it? Turtles has kept coming back in very many different forms. Yeah, yeah. You have the CGI movies, you have the live action movies, the live action TV series. Go Ninja, Go Ninja. Go. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yes, <laughs> but, you know, it's a, these com- the companies who do these have learned, and they just keep putting it out there, even if it doesn't succeed. They keep it fresh, and Mattel just didn't do that. No, Mattel just don't want to spend the money. That's yeah. basically what it is. And yet they will with it's Barbie. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll have a camera inside Barbie's eyes, which is just wrong. You know, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just, it, it is crazy to see these companies that, that take chances again and again on these properties, and they're like, okay, we'll we'll try it again, we'll do it this way, we'll try it again, we'll do it this way, and Mattel fails a few times, and then they that's it. You know, it's like, nope, not going to take a chance on that anymore. Um, I mean, you, it really you, is crazy. You've got Ben 10, okay? Now, Ben 10, he, he, they started him off as a kid, and they've allowed him to grow up, and it's always different. But they, like you've always said, they keep the core idea the same, and that's, you know, why can't they do something like that? I mean, that, you know, there's been a lot of talk at the minute on the old forums about Dare, the future son of He-Man or whatever it is. And I quite like that. I think, what, why not try something a little different like that? That could work. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason that, that they can't try different mediums. I mean, even, not even so much a new cartoon like what they did with the, the 2000s line, but, I mean, even trying things like comics or, mm, you know... Yeah. Um, Game. Even, like, little web movies or something like that, something. Yeah. And just try try out some of these things and get it back out again. Because um, then you're not you're not putting as much in as they did this 2000X cartoon, you know? Uh, try little things first and see what works if you're that scared of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could probably sit here all day and talk about what yeah, we should and shouldn't do. You know, <laughs> we've moved like, way past the commentary at this point. <laughs> oh well. Well, in case you're in case you're not aware, folks, episode three has ended. And thus, our commentary on that has actually ended as well. So we'll kind of just round up here. So, uh, Dylan, thanks for coming back on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on Master Universe Chronicles. Uh, p- please feel free, sir, to promote what awesome work you do uh, pertaining to Masters of the Universe. Oh, well, thank you again for having me. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, go on Facebook, you go to www.facebook.com forward slash MOTC, and you can come to the Master of the Universe Classics page and talk about 
anything Master of the University won. And obviously Dylan is a fine artist to do with uh, Master of the Universe, so you'll see some of the midgets, aren't they, Dylan? Yeah, my, my little midgets that. thing that's yeah. going on. I've got a special one coming, actually, in the next few weeks, hopefully. So. Oh, Battle Orco, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that. By the time I meet you, I want to see that. <laughs> okay, it's, I'll, it's I'll draw that special feature. <laughs> I want it to be cross-dressing Gwildor riding Battle Orco. Uh, that's just, can that I, happen? I don't know if I can do that without it might not safe for work. And obviously bringing things to a really sharp end um, is James Sawyer. So, uh, James, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, feel free, sir, to promote what awesome work you do um, on like Facebook, uh, your pages, your YouTube videos. You seem to have so many fingers in the pie, so um, make sure you cover everything. Uh, Dylan, by the way, before I move on, uh, in case people want to follow your work on Twitter, um, what's your Twitter um, username? Uh, Happy Monkey Shoe. Okay, uh, <laughs> James, follow out. <laughs> it was meant to be shoes, but they wouldn't let me have the extra S. So. Okay, because that well, makes it, it all better. Isn't the monkey kind of spelled weird too? Isn't it M? Is it is it regular monkey or is it M U N K? That one's regular monkey. It's regular yeah, monkey. Yeah, because he's super monkey boy, I think, on heman.org. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's M U N K Y. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. I don't want to mess up yeah. my monkeys. No, it's telling um. the chronicles. <laughs> uh, as far as the things that I'm involved in, I, I've like like don't or I'm sorry like like Chris said at the beginning of the show I took kind of a break for a while because I had a bunch of Star Trek stuff going on, um, but I, I've kind of jumped back into updating uh, motukfigures.com that's m o t u c figures.com and uh, my son Blaze and I are, are going through the entire line and we're doing these video reviews of each figure and we're we're doing like these redos of the vintage commercials and we're taking pictures of everything and so we're we're trying to keep that updated pretty frequently now. Um, my page for the 87 movie is motumovie.com, where I, I just put up articles on the 87 movie and talk about it and drool over it and fall in love with it all over again. <laughs> I upset my wife with my fascination over it. Um, so, I, And then both of those have Facebook pages linked to them, which you can get to through those pages. So that's what I've got cooking right now. And obviously you're on Twitter as well with your classic I am. page. It's uh, at Motu Classics, I think, right? Yes. Is that what it is? Okay. Yes. That's what it is. M-O-T-U Classics. So, yeah, uh, that's what it obviously is. Obviously, if you uh, follow that, then you get regular updates. That's how I know there's a new awesome video with uh, James. And nine times out of ten, it'll be Blaze talking about how his glasses are dirty or Stratostein. <laughs> for me, has been the highlight of it. What's going on with your face? You're like, what? <laughs> just like, uh, just the... He doesn't it's tell just, me uh, beforehand. He's like, he goes down to these filthy glasses, and he's trying to look around and look through them, and I'm like, what are you doing there? And he's like, oh, my glasses are dirty again. And every time after I finish the video, I'm like, why don't you tell me beforehand that your glasses are dirty, and I'll clean them for you. And he's like, ah, it adds, it adds something to the video when it happens during the video. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's true. We'll go with that. It kind of he's, does, always, but... he's always interested in questions, too. If anybody has questions they want ad- answered... Blaze loves to talk about He-Man well, stuff. I feel like he's being. I think that's something. I think that's something you should do, James. Is just do like a video where 
you know, like instead of ask Q and A and ask Blaze, where people can just send in their questions for Blaze and then just they give you a break from doing the the bios just to give Oh, that's him a great a little, idea. I like that. You know, just like um, just so we can all send in questions and then just him to go. Yeah, I like this. I don't like that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because I know I've, I've you've done that a couple of times where uh, like I've asked him if he's in the cartoon or the comic because I know you'd be in the yeah. more end of the comic and that kind of thing but Blaze is probably one of the most knowledgeable young men that I know um, not that I know that many but because uh, <laughs> normally they're all farts like me and James um, <laughs> um, but um, you know like about Master Universe because there's been a couple of points in the bios that he's brought up stuff that even I haven't thought of because like yeah, there was there was one he came up with and even you turned around and go like yeah that's a really good point I can't remember yeah. what it was but um, he knows no, it's just, it, man he really knows yeah. his stuff when it comes to He-Man. Well, he's got a knowledgeable father, so I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's probably like, you know, like every Friday is a test to do with Master Universe. Yeah. You pass that, you pass that, you get a figure, you feel that, I'm taking figures off you. Yeah, he's got but, real um, homework, he comes home, and I'm like, you know what, you can do your real homework later, right now. <laughs> you need to give him a Matt beard. What's that? He, he needs a beard, James, so he can be mini-James. <laughs> Have you not seen that picture of him with the beard? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's awesome. But anyway, this is turning into play a show. Not that it shouldn't be because the kid's great. But anyway, on sometime he should be. He should take my place in one of these commentaries one of these times. I would love That'd that if we're doing if we're doing a bios discussion. I would love for you and James to, or you and James because that is you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you to clone yourself and bring yourself on, but you and Blaze to come on and just I think that would be tremendous. Or even if you're doing. Okay, well, uh, thanks to James Sawyer and thanks to Dylan Cook for coming on and discussing the 2000X, 200X, whatever way you want to call it, the beginning, the first three parts, so that was awesome. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed that. If you have any questions about it or um, if there's something you particularly like, head over to Pop Culture Network Forums and post in there, or you can send me an email at vintoman.popculturenetwork.com about your thoughts on this episode, and I'll forward on to Mr. Sawyer and Mr. Cook as well. So so thanks for listening and thanks for watching that those three episodes and until next time. So I wanted to kind of go there because I heard your audio start crackling a little bit, James. So I didn't want to go like really. Yeah, see, you're, you are a talent now. What is going on? <laughs> oh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like okay. that. Right. Well, I shall let you both go. I hate to cut it short, but uh, my ears will probably bleed if I talk to you anymore, James. Um, but thank you very much for like both coming on. <laughs> Ex- say exterminate, exterminate, James, will you? <laughs> Yeah, you are, Dalek. I am Robo. Um, <laughs> oh, God. This is so good on the end. Let the power...